Dan Pfefferman. And I'm Benny Shoulder, and welcome to Juanced, The show that challenges popular conceptions, thinks critically, examines independently, and most of all, seeks nuance. Each episode features a different guest. We'll dive into politics, foreign affairs, religion, science, tech, culture, and more connected to Israel and the Jewish world. No talking points, no script, no agenda. Just a deeper, nuanced understanding of the world around us. Join us as we explore, think, discuss, and perhaps most of all, listen. Juanced. You know, like nuanced, but with a J? Yeah, they get it. Dude, let's just start. Greetings out there in podcast land, and welcome to Juance, the show that brings you a nuanced exploration of Israel, the Jewish world, and beyond. I'm Benny Shoulder. I'm Dan Pfefferman. And together, we're excited that you're here for another great episode of the show. Before we get going, I'd like to give a shout out to our audience watching us today on Facebook Live. Thanks for tuning in. For those of you listening on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and all the other podcast platforms, know that there's a live video version of the podcast, which you can check out weekly. It's available on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Podcast. Check it out when we record or watch all our episodes on our YouTube channel, Juwan's Podcast, as well as our website, you guessed it, juwan's.com. Also, make sure to follow us on Instagram at Juanced and on Twitter at Juanced Podcast. And as always, make sure to subscribe to Juanced on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, we'd love it if you leave us a five-star review. If you leave us a two-star review, we don't love you. And that would really make a difference. I will stand outside your house and make fun of you if you do that. He wherever knows. you live. No, he really doesn't know where you live. Don't listen to Dan. He's not I might. He's not a creep. I promise. Dan, how you doing, man? I'm doing all right. <laughs> <laughs> that was weird. Uh, it could be weird. It's a little weird sometimes. I can't lie. Um, it's. It, how was your week, man? It's, you know, it's an intense week. Uh, I blinked and uh, it was over. But uh, we're feeling back to normal. And we have here with us uh, our guest today, an old friend, Mickey Gitson. We'll introduce him properly soon. How you doing? I'm doing good. Welcome to Rehovot. Thank you. It's been it's been a long drive now. <laughs> we haven't seen each other in uh, gosh ten years maybe. Yeah. Although uh, although I've of course followed your illustrious career and uh, your kind of semi public uh, career. Do all you the look time. the same? No. Ten really. years have gone by. Does he look the same? Pretty much. I think so. I uh, think I think you look the same, just a little more gray. But did it. he have Th- that's what th- that's what happens? Theodore Herzl beard. No. I th- I had a thin beard. I'd like you. Yeah, something like this. But yeah, not that. I'm not gray. Yeah. <laughs> you really aren't. I'm not. It's it's shocking. You're a man who has three kids. One is, Gidon's he's 12. Still, he's still young. And you have no gray hair. And I, I mean, there's a Listen. lot of. Got to take things in stride. Yeah. But no, we're, we're what? Two weeks kind of back into, you know, COVID starting to let off. More and more people are vaccinated. I got back to the gym. You got back to the gym. I got back to the gym. I got you, you back to the gym, Mickey. Partially. I, I started this thing that like a trainer comes to my home. Oh. And and, I, oh. and it's much better than going to the gym with Is a of Yeah. Do you have the equipment at home that you need? I, I have enough. So so it, it works for me. And, and the fact that I don't actually need to leave my apartment yeah, and go back and and you know i can just start my day after it, it's just perfect all right so check it out as you know juanced is a listener supported podcast we rely on the generous support of listeners just like you to make sure that we're able to continue to deliver awesome content terrific guests and interesting perspectives here on uh, juanced 
so if you would like to make a one-time contribution to the show, you can easily do that on our PayPal account. Even better. Even better. You can make an ongoing contribution to Juanced on our Patreon. Find out information about how to do that. Go to our website, www.juanced.com. And I should say that Juanced, due to the support of listeners like you, is growing uh, leaps and bounds. Dan, I think that we have a running tally of something like, what, 104 countries? That's crazy. If you want to support Juanced, visit us today, www.juanced.com. We'd love your support. and uh, You can also sponsor us if you have a business or an organization that you'd like to plug to our audience. Or you can book us for a Juanced Live where we will do a live event, whether virtual or hopefully soon in person. So we've done it already with uh, Meet the Emiratis for a number of Jewish communities. And we can do it on any subject that interests you. And we have a great network of guests that we can uh, bring to your community and uh, facilitate a fantastic conversation with them. Terrific. So I got this weird uh, post-COVID, like we're post-COVID, this strange post-COVID moment, and I'm wondering if this has happened to either of you two. I know that Netanyahu said we're post-COVID. We're not post-COVID. We're not, we're not post-COVID. But we're post the we're all stuck in our home moment. We, we're, coming we're all out, vaccinated. We're a little bit coming out of the, of the, of the hole we've been living yeah, in in the yeah, past. Yeah, yeah. I was at a restaurant for the first time wow. with my with my wife and kids. We went to everyone's favorite family restaurant, Nafis. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up on Nafis. I know that, I know I know that you guys did not, but I, that's, Look, that's the place I remember I grew up. Nafis like eighteen years ago, and Nafis now it's much better. It got it's different, but they still have like the ziva. Fatut. Fatut, they still have it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'm not sure I would do it now. But All right, yeah. so we go, we go to Nafis here it's in, uh, in in Bilu Center near Hovot and they see because we have kids we have to sit outside so we're out in the outside section and i swear to god my wife looks at me because i'm like checking everybody out and she's like why are you looking at all the women i'm like i'm not looking at all the women i'm looking at everybody without their mask it's freaking me out <laughs> every single person in the section is without a mask and, I, and i'm not scared about does that does she that. say to you i'd rather you be looking at women <laughs> no but the thing is like i i figured it was like this we've been stuck in a, in a reality where we're looking at everybody either without their mask on tv or our very close friends or business, whatever, associates, whatnot, in, in very, like, comfortable settings. But nobody's been outside with people without, like, a, a considerable amount of people outside without masks. Unless you're an anti-masker watching us from the U.S., then you might have been outside with people. Without, hey, Dad, how's it going? But Is he an anti-masker? He's not an anti-masker per se. Is he a mask hole? He's not a mask hole, but he got vaccinated. He said, screw it. Oh, if okay, you're that, that makes sense. It's it makes not, sense. It's, it's not like people who are actually against masks or vaccines. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm so seeing I'm seeing some of the anti-vax dialogue online. Holy crap, those people are scary. I respect every person, but though go. these people I respect <laughs> less. So let's let's explain why Mickey respects every person. Dan, you want to introduce our guest? Yeah, That's a good yeah, segue. Yeah. <laughs> good segue. So we have with us Mickey Gitson, the executive director of the New Israel Fund in Israel. Make the Israel office of the new Israel Fund. So Mickey served previously as a city council member in Tel Aviv, Jaffa, where he chaired Committee for Diversity in Public Housing, where he respected everyone. He was also the except mayor's... Those, except those who thought they wouldn't mask one day. Yeah. He was also the mayor's advisor for global development and innovation. Prior to joining the new Israel Fund, Mickey was the founding director of Israel Chofshit, or Be Free Israel, a leading grassroots organization fighting for the separation of religion and state in Israel. Previously worked with as spokesperson for a MK from the Meretz party, and back I remember back in the day you were uh, 
with the organization Festival Bashekel. Oh man, yeah, we, go, we go back a long time. Yeah, yeah, you don't need things. to go all through. But where did we meet? We meet we met years ago when you were the Jewish agency Shaliach in South Bend, Indiana. Yeah, that's my claim to fame. Your claim to fame. <laughs> that, that's, how, you know, my icebreaker with the American audience. Like I start talking <laughs> and it's like, I was a Jewish agency Shaliach in South Bend, Indiana. Now before Mayor Pete, no one knew where it was anyway. But now it's actually... That's right. South Bend, Indiana, for those who don't, Mayor Pete, right, who uh, made a, a interesting run at presidency, and I think we'll see him again, and he's now... Secretary. Secretary. Secretary Pete. Mayor Pete. Without mayor. No, no, mayor is like part of his name now. Okay. It's got Sorry. a right. And I, I got to meet him when he came to Israel. This is my claim to fame, is I gave him his introductory lecture on U.S.-Israel relations. What's up, Chaim Davids? How you doing? We just ate your herring, Chaim Davids. We did just eat your herring, Chaim Davids, and it was fa- fantastic. And I tried your roast beef yesterday, and it was even better. Um, keep up the good work out there at Prohibition Pickle. Free shout out to Prohibition Pickle. We'll have to order from there soon. So uh, why why were you in the in the presence of? Uh, oh, Secretary so Mayor Pete. Pete back when he was Mayor Pete, and and it was kind of coming up on the national stage. They brought him to Israel, and the AJC, a nice Jewish organization asked me to speak to them about U.S.-Israel relations, and I had like a good two hours with Mayor Pete, and then uh, he's doing what he's doing now. And then the Supreme Court judge, the newest Supreme Court judge, Amy Coney Barrett. She's also from South Bend. She's also from South Bend. But we're less proud of her being part of Why? I'm proud of her. She's a Supreme Court justice. I'm proud of her. Mother of seven, professor of law, Supreme Court justice. Come on. Underachiever. You don't like her politics, but that's impressive. Seven yeah. kids. Seven, seven kids. Seven. Okay, I, I can give her the seven kids. But you, you have one kids. kid. Can you imagine yeah. doing what you do with seven? I, I, I respect her for her seven kids, nothing more than that. <laughs> <laughs> I respect her for her achievements. But uh, definitely South Bend on the map. Let me ask um, you this, wait, before we go any further. Did you get to choose South Bend? Or did it, was it just like, this is where you're going? You looked at a map, you were like, <laughs> where is okay. This? So, so I'll, tell you this, I'll tell you the story. It's, it's, it's a good story. So when... I was in the army. I was serving. I served in the the Israeli intelligence and in, in the main assessment unit in the Israeli intelligence. And I decided that I want to go abroad as my friends do, but I didn't want to go travel. I want to go live somewhere. So I did two things. I sent my CV to two places, and it, it, it's real. One was the Mossad, and the other one was the Jewish agency. <laughs> go travel the world. <laughs> and the Mossad, did, rightly so, I've never, I've never, they never back. called you back. Ne- never called me back. Although I worked quite closely with them uh would you, you would you have gone if they would have called you back i don't know it's it's mickey of today thinking of mickey back then i, I back I, then I, yeah back, i'm sure i mean yeah they would have made you an offer that you couldn't refuse it'd have been like yeah but I, anyway so <laughs> i started this this thing that i uh, and i get accepted to this young shlichim program like emissary uh, yeah uh, is an emissary, emissary right? for, for the jewish agency and their thing was actually sending us to small communities around the u.s so but A, they can afford us because we're cheap. B, we can educate their kids to be more connected to Israel and to Judaism and so on. And I had no clue what, what does it mean to live in South Bend, but I knew I would get a car and an apartment and I was... High life, you're going to be set. Yeah, I was 22 or 23, I don't remember even. <laughs> and I would, back then I would go to a bar and I remember, hey, here's the Israel guy. And like <laughs> th- th- that's the way I lived my life for a year. It's incredible. South Bend's a cool town. It was interesting. It's a, it's, it's a <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's like the, how was the restaurant last night? It was interesting. The food it was, was interesting. interesting. The I loved him. I, I enjoyed every moment, but it was interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's um, you you had to grow up there. I mean, I don't see people just moving to South Bend. Although Notre Dame's there, so yeah, cool. I remember myself like partying for like <laughs> in Notre Dame part. Like it was just crazy. Like you could not, like you had no idea there is something in the city. 
because everything there, like even in Notre Dame, is kind of like underground because they're not supposed to be part right, of a Catholic university. Yeah, it's technically a dry university. So technically, there's no Shh, drinking on campus. Come on. So technically, the Fighting Irish. The fight. <laughs> Why are they fighting? <laughs> by the way, I was, ta- I, I was taken by this guy from the Jewish community once to an Irish game, and he thought he, you know, gives me the best thing in the world, and I was there trying to figure out what's going on. <laughs> Why are they running it the way they do? Why like are they I chasing the, each other? <laughs> I had no clue what's going on. It was extremely boring. But then I actually went and watched uh, baseball, which was even more boring. <laughs> Makes you appreciate football. Okay, so here's the deal. I, I, I love a good baseball game. I will admit, I was probably a bigger fan when I was a kid living in the States. Nowadays, I think I like going to baseball games because they're usually in really awesome outdoor stadiums. And there's a lot of beer. Where you exactly where that's, you can that's spend a good four and a half to five hours, maybe just it's the getting afternoon. wasted you take in the, the sun. Yeah. So I had like beer after beer after beer, and I had this like get hot dogs, like yeah. a, like it's called. I think it's called kosher hot dogs or they something. They call them kosher. Yeah, they're well, not. Kosher. They're not kosher. <laughs> I know. But back then, I was really into being like being Jewish. It was a really big thing for me. So I was very excited about the fact it's called kosher, although it was not It was kosher. like Hebrew National? Yeah, Hebrew National, exactly. So they they call dogs. beef hot dogs kosher hot dogs, right? Uh, just instinctively. But right, that's then, like the marketing of them. Because yeah. if it's a, if a, if a Jew made the hot dog, it must be good. I, like, what <laughs> you is, know what, though? What's people, the rationale? People actually, I can't even think. People you know actually, what came to my mind? People seek out. <laughs> <laughs> you get people who seek out kosher meat and kosher hot dogs that do not keep kosher in the States. Yeah, it's been. I know they had this period that it was considered to be healthier and better for you. If it's you just, had, you know, you, you know what you're getting, exactly, or at least you know what you're not getting. So I was once in Wyoming <laughs> in a rodeo or something. Like I was traveling the U.S. and I was once in, in Wyoming. Did you put like a uh, Borat scene? And, and, and so <laughs> at the beginning of it, it was just after the Iraq War, and they started the the, the rodeo with. With President Bush actually praying for God and asking Jesus, like, like to, a video or Bush? No, no, was like, there. like, no, no, no. He was like, there is a vid, like a vid, not even a video, like an audio of, of President Bush calling Jesus to help him, whatever. It was really, it <laughs> I gotta was find really that. something. I, we gotta find that. It, it, it was something else I've never seen, but they did serve kosher hot dogs in Wyoming. In Wyoming. <laughs> in Wyoming. There you go. <laughs> See, yeah, it's funny. You grew up here, and then you kind of discovered a little bit of Judaism, a little Yiddishkeit in America. Yeah, definitely. Like many others, by the way. So I come... I, that was me. Yeah. Yeah, I was much... You remember. I was much more observant than America. No, but he, he was from here. He's from the Jewish state. But, but, it, but it, like, I don't want to take away from what you were about to say, but I think it totally makes sense. Well, let's hear. So it's interesting. So I, I my parents made a liaison in the late 70s from the former Soviet Union, and they were like your classic Russian immigrants. So they're very, very, in the national level, very Jewish, strongly Jewish. But her home was completely secular with uh, with everything it, it takes. How, how did they get out of the Soviet Union back then? So I think that they, my 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 dad is from the Ukraine and my mom from Moldova. It was the Soviet Union back then. They were not doing distinctions, and I think there was a short period they they were allowed to live because my my other part of the family left in seventy three mm-hmm. and they were allowed only seventy eight. I have Moldovan kosher brandy here. Afterwards, remind me to show you why afterwards. Well, I'm gonna get up in the middle of the show. If you're listening outside in the other room, yeah. Lieberman's from Moldova. True, Kishinev. Yeah, we're we're from smaller town than Kishinev, if such thing exists. Yeah. Well, so well, anyway, <laughs> so I, I I found myself smaller than South Bend. I think so. I've never <laughs> been. I've never been in Moldova. So anyway, so I grew up in this environment, 
you know, I, I was connected Jewishly, but I was not, I was, you know, with, with zero awareness. And then when I, you know, went on a shlichut and I had to do, be like a professional Jew, so I kind of like this started discovering. And, <laughs> professional and, and, yeah, Jew. Yeah, yeah, that's what you do. You're a professional <laughs> Jew. You, you teach these American kids that don't know how to read Hebrew. You get these uh, secular Israelis who have to become Jewish for the first time in their life. And also like, you know, I was liberal. I think, you know, my my rebellion against my parents was being a liberal, right? And they were these conservative Russian Israelis and I had to be a liberal non-Russian Israeli. <laughs> so I was a liberal and, and Judaism and liberalism was always in, you know, in contradiction in my life. In Israel. In Israel. And then all of a sudden I come to South Bend, Indiana and I discovered this amazing reform shul or conservative shul and by the way, an ultra, ultra, ultra orthodox, like Agudas Israel shul. And I, and I found myself very comfortable in all three of them. It was really, really amazing in, in a good, positive way. Uh, but that's the you know the first time that you learn tefillat amidah and you open the sidur and you need to be part of the community. Um, still, I have people who are very proud of me of, of knowing Birkat Amazon and, and things like that, but I would never know it if I it was not in the States in the time I was. It's interesting. I was at the... Um, I, I think that that's such, a, that's such a normal story, though, I think, in Israel. If, for better or for worse, I think it's much easier. And I feel this also when I'm in the States. Because you're a minority in the states, you're 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 you have to. I think the only way you can express your you, you'll in a second you'll give me the academic reasoning or not this, I or think not. You're doing fine. Uh, the only way that you can express your Jewish identity is through some sort of a ritual practice or identification yeah. with the or, with with the organized community, as opposed yeah. to just getting into a room with three other Jews or living in a national society full of Jews. And and there's no rabbinut to force down a certain exactly that's the thing a certain uh, flavor of Judaism. With a spoon in, into into your stomach, uh, which which ultimately causes you to you know to I'm gag. not I'm not a, cap- a capitalist in any way, but I do think that in that matter, freedom of choice would would make you know well, it's ideas, right? Yeah, you know, choices choices is just much more interesting, um, well, attractive. We'll, we'll to get people. to that part so, of, you, of your bio in a second because you literally founded a whole organization based on it. That's true. <laughs> I went, I, I, me and others, me well, and friends. Yeah, of course, but they're not here. So I went yeah. to the, I went, <laughs> Who cares it, about those who are not here? Who cares? It reminds me, I went to the Israel Museum uh, over Shabbat with my with my family, and they have an amazing exhibit of- like, In Jerusalem. In Jerusalem. I haven't they, been there in ages. Oh my God, it's amazing. They have, they have this amazing exhibit of Jewish life and Jewish art at the Israel Museum, and yeah. in the Israel Museum, they actually have full- synagogues, which were yep. picked up from huh. different places in Europe and brought to- And not just Europe. Europe, they have an Indian synagogue, a synagogue from uh, Suriname. Yep. No, not Curacao, Suriname. And a synagogue from uh, Germany. Italy, Germany, uh, India, and uh, Suriname. And we go into the Italian one. And my daughter, uh, she, there's the music going on in the background. They play like the liturgical music, which we all recognize and whatnot. And, and, and uh, it looks very regal. And she says to me, Abba, is that where the king sits? <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, yes. This is the product of the Israeli education system. This is, she doesn't know that she's in a synagogue. She doesn't know what a synagogue is. Mm-hmm. She's in this, in this place, which That's I'm on you, like man. feeling. Take about, I know it's on me, but what I'm thinking about <laughs> beyond my daughter, we'll t- take ourselves away from the my daughter and how she's okay. experienced this because of my responsibility, but. I my parents didn't put me in some sort of a, a, a framework to like deliberately 
make sure that I knew. I mean, that's what you did. You went and you were in part of the Jewish community and you went to synagogue. And I definitely knew what a synagogue was when I was six years old. And we think that that's like a super young age, but like, you know what a synagogue is. Sure. She's in the place and she literally thinks like, is that where the king sits? Like, it's like Anna and Elsa and Disney or, yeah. or something like that. You so yeah, I, just, I felt, I, I, I felt kind of emotional. <laughs> it made me feel. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's kind of like an example of how that works here, because if she, you know, unless she goes to like the approved of way, she's got to really seek it out here. Yeah, so first of all, I, w- I want to give a shout out to secularism, right? To be a secular Israeli Jew, it's, it's, it's good. And people don't have to if they don't want to know how a synagogue looks like. Having said that, personally, as Mickey, I have, I'm, I'm attracted to culture and to, um, to the Jewish idea um, oh, and what does it mean. And I, and I feel sorry for it. I, I feel sorry that, like, you know, that my secular friends that, you know, if something Jewish comes into their kid's school, they feel it's imposed on them because mm. it's, it, it comes from the outside. It's not part of their culture. And that's something that I would love to see changing in Israel. But I think that as long as this political tension around Judaism and not only political religious tension, but also national tension and what does it mean and, and, and the, the national implications of, of being a Jew come so strongly, I think it would be always a problem. And, and I feel very, very bad about it. And I think that we, we can and should change it by, by allowing freedom. Do you think that our founding fathers here in this country, or Ben-Gurion and, 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 and his... Uh, in his band of merry his men. fellows do you think that they made a mistake in the, in the onset when they didn't separate these two things in, in, in establishing a liberal no democracy doubt. no doubt I think that um, I don't know if they had a, an option but we know we read it when we read about Ben Gurion and, 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 and everything that he, he wrote back then he thought that this, the Jewish secular state would win religion yeah. he, th- that, he thought the, the religion the, was done yeah that's yeah. the reason he wanted control you know he didn't want the separation he thought that we the zionist uh, uh, israeli secular jews will, will basically win religion uh it did not happen of course but on the other hand i think that you know now we're in a, in a place that it's actually it's it's bad for everyone because I I don't think I think that a lot of the political tensions happening within the Jewish community now are based on that I I think that serves very very small community of people and I think that uh, we could have done it better you know there are different systems in the world that work really nicely and you don't have to have a full separation of religion and state as you have in the states because the re- the discussion is usually either the Israeli system or the American, American system, system right? there's so many others that can yeah. work beautifully in Israel the German system or the English system that you do have a symbolic religion with part of the of the culture and the nation and the symbols of this of this country and what it stands for and at the same time freedom is part of what Make- it Maybe, maybe you or maybe Dan, you can help me understand. You, your mom's telling you, by the way, that you were in a synagogue since you were two. Good times. <laughs> you, you and I grew up in the States. Yeah. So for us to think about religious practice is something that you volunteer into for the, for the most part. Mm. The state's not imposing some sort of a faith. The state's not. The state. I'm talking about in terms of the yeah. state. The state is not telling you how you should practice an ideology. It's not in telling so much you here as either, religious ideology. But the state is telling you here if you want to engage in a in certain civil or civic life cycle practices, or if you want to engage in certain, you know, divorce, marriage, birth, these sorts of things, or who you want to marry, the state is telling you there is a there's an official monopolized, recognized way that you have to go about doing that if you want certain Only state benefits. 
and divorce and death. Marriage and marriage and divorce. I mean, look, it's we can get into it if you want. And 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 he, you know, Mickey's lived this, and I wrote, you know, part of Aliyah. I wrote part of the book about it, but um, it's a lot more gray. And there's been a lot of legal victories for the people championing pluralism over the years. Today, the only thing that you can actually say is a hundred percent in the control of orthodoxy and even ultra-orthodoxy, Haredi establishment, is marriage and divorce. But that's huge. Of course it's huge. That's huge. It, impl- it has implications on your kids and it has impl- implications of who you are and who is a Jew is also an, a question, like right? Because... Yeah. Well, I mean, we just had the whole yeah, yeah, issue the, the now. Victor, the right? victory now of the, of, the, of the conservative and the reform movement. My conservative friends are always upset that we always, always talk only about the reform. So It's say, true. Look, uh, I, you know, I... I um, I, I also tend to lump it and just say reform, even though I've, I very well know the difference and, and you know uh, have nice relations with both Gilad and uh, Izhar, the heads of the two movements. Uh, not anymore. Well, not anymore. Them. That's right. And um, Israelis just don't understand conservative Judaism. So we need to teach them. No, I don't, I don't, I don't want to get in trouble. That's the reason I'm, I'm so much... <laughs> you know, I've said it in the past, reform, and then I would get like... Two seconds afterwards, like a text message from the right from from, so. from, from Izaris. How come you did not mention? <laughs> you imagine how the Reconstructionist Jews must feel. They don't even represent it. Yeah, nobody even knows. I think what I was trying to get at denominational. Yeah, I think I think oh. they should just really just say non-orthodox organized. Well, I Jewish. said that, but it, you know, I said it first when I used to. No, that's not wh- why non-orthodox yeah. and not. Why no. why do they have to identify in the negative of something? Or how about or how about this? Is what I go with uh, liberals. About with my liberal, wife. liberals. How about just Jewish? I'm just a Jew. So, you, you know, it goes both ways because you also have Orthodox people saying I'm just Jewish. Right. And, and I'm okay with that, by the I'm way. Okay I, I'm okay with that as well. Uh, you know, uh, we, why do we need these denominations? But, the, but that's kind of the point, right? If you, lived in a, if you lived in a society which had a separation between official anything and the yeah. way that you choose to identify in the thoughts in your mind about how the nature of reality should be ordered, if there was no connection between those two, we could all just be Jews. You yeah, think your Jew is this way? You, you can't. think your Jew is no, but, but you, you do, can. And look at America. Have, look do, at America. You do have the law, law of return here that makes it a bit more complicated, and then Zionism makes it a bit more complicated. Right. So, a, so there, there is a connection between national identity and religious identity, and if we're honest with ourselves, it's complicated. Yeah, we, it's juanced. <laughs> There's a lot of juanced in there. Look, it's it's inexorably tied. You can't. Um, disconnect it and I, I don't who gets to decide that's the question right right now the struggle is is it Jewish law that decides is it something more civil to take into account people who um, something very common in Israel for example people who have a Jewish parent or Jewish ancestry but not a Jewish mother or something that's very common in America well, that is a, a non-orthodox conversion or patrilineal descent, right? So, so that that's all solved in many ways, except of one issue, which is marriage and divorce. Which is marriage and divorce, yeah. Because you can make aliyah if one of your grandparents is Jewish, you're you're, you're eligible for aliyah. Now, after after the the decision of the, the Supreme Court, after 15 years yeah. that they were begging the Knesset to legislate about it, they made a decision that they accepted the fact that if you are converted by a reformer, conservative rabbi, not only abroad, but also in Israel, you're eligible for, for Aliyah. So you're, you're eligible to become, so yeah, for, for our listeners who are not involved in the Jewish world or in Israel or, or you know, if, if you're not from the Jewish community, basically, if you are Jewish, you can move to Israel and get immediate citizenship. And then the debate is who gets to decide who is a Jew for yeah, this purpose? So I think, first of all, we, 
you should and you have to distinguish between, you know, there is the question, how can the Supreme Court decide on, on, on religious issues? They don't. They decide on the secular law. And the secular law in Israel cannot be and should not be connected to the religious um, definitions of who is a Jew because those are very specific to, to certain communities, by the way. It's true about the reform, about conservative, and about the orthodox. So you need to have, a, you know, a civil, secular law, and you have to have the religious law. And, and it does get complicated because, because of the law of return, but I think it's solvable. You know, this, the issue of law of return is solved already. Like, the, the law is clear. Now the question comes, what about people who live here who are not considered Jewish by Orthodox Alecha, or even better than that, people who are completely, um, you know, Jewish or you know, by, by all means, but don't want to get married uh, by, by Orthodox rabbi or LGBTQ people who are not accepted as married couple by, right. by Orthodox. Or people that want to intermarry. Or people who want to intermarry, same thing. So that that's, uh, that's so, you know, that's illiberal in so many ways. And I think that actually undermines Israel's claim of being a democracy in so, in so many ways. I'm not saying it's the end of the world. I think that you, you can see worse things in certain democracies. I think that you can see worse things in the Israeli democracy, but it's definitely the fact that marriage and divorce, which is part of the human rights um, declaration of the UN, is not is not equal to everyone in Israel. Do you see that it's ever going to come to some sort of a resolution? So it's an issue. So this is one of the most interesting things in Israeli politics, as opposed to other things. Um, I remember in my lifetime, in, in actually in, in time that I was in, in this business, the, the public opinion has changed about it. There is a vast majority of Israelis who support freedom of marriage to everyone in Israel. Yeah, it's over. It's over fifty percent, even over sixty percent. But, over, but, over, but this is a country. But this is a country where there's always, let's say. You can make the parallel that the majority of Israelis support a negotiated solution to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. No, and but it's not the same. So what? So I think I think here it's an issue of um, again I'm going back to economics. It's an issue of of, of um, demand and, and and supply because the thing is keeping the monopoly is the most important things for the Orthodox parties in the Knesset. It's never the most important. You know, freedom of religion is never the most important thing for what we call quote unquote. Secular parties in the, in the Knesset, yeah. so they so we, the, we the, politi- had, the political yeah. situation is what keeps the reality here, not the majority opinion. And I have to say, you know, take me, I would never vote on religion and state affairs as, as, the, as my number one priority. So even I, you, yeah, no, not at all. Look, we had we had Shmuel Rosner on the show two weeks ago, mm-hmm. and, and it's exactly what he said. And this is something that he and I have written before in different things, and said, you know, yes, there's a majority for these kind of issues. They're not voting on it. That's true. Why? Because when I look at Israeli society, I see, you know, Israeli society, Israel-Palestine, issues to do with other things, they are significantly more important for me than individual than this issue because it's kind of like a luxury. I wouldn't want to say luxury because people take it very seriously. Well, and, hang I, on, can we, and, I, and I devoted yeah. a long time of my life sure. fighting against it, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. But yeah. when I look at, at, at you know basic human rights issues or when I look at issues of Israeli democracy and where it goes, and I can't say it's the most important thing for me. And I want to tell you something. It's also not the most important thing for the ultra-Orthodox community. If you ask ultra-Orthodox people, if, I, if someone from the ultra-Orthodox mm-hmm. community was here and you would ask about it, I, I'm pretty sure you'd say, like, you know what? There are more important things for me. But the political power of the Orthodox parties are depend is dependent on that 
which is completely different than the will of the majority of Orthodox people. How do you know that? First of all, polls show it. And second, I speak to people. And that's, that's my sense in, in that matter. I think that the only difference is with the, with, with, is with the Tzionu Datit, with the national religious ones. Because they do have a sense of, of mamlachtiut, of kind of like something that needs to be... Statesman. States, there is you no, can't really translate There is yeah. no really good translation to it in English. So th- this is basically the only community that wants to see something united on, on the Jewish elements of the state. But I think that, but but going back to your question, if it's going to be uh, changed at some point, I'm not sure. And if it is going to change, it's going to blow up. It's gonna, it's not going to be a pleasant a pleasant change. You don't think we're going to have any gradual kind of compromise no. on these issues? No, not. No. Well, look, I mean, hang on. Let me let me just say sure. first of all to our uh, to those joining us live, you're welcome to leave comments and questions, and we will try to address them throughout. And for those who are rejoining us, we apologize. We had a little bit of a technical glitch, and we, we are back on live. So if you have a, a question or a comment you want to throw into the conversation, please feel free. Th- this is an issue that you spent a big part of your personal life dealing with, and it all, or your, pri- your professional life, but it also touched on your personal life. Yes, and... You, you couldn't get married here in Israel. Right. So I, I live with my partner. You know, we got my partner. I'm, I'm gay, and my partner... Uh, and I got married in, in the Netherlands, I think, a year ago, a year and a half ago. They're being together for nine years. Congratulations. Thank you so much. But I don't see, like, it's important. It's important symbolically. It says a lot about who we are as a country and what do we allow, you know, what kind of freedom people have here. I, I, and, I, and, I think, and I think it also um, has positive and negative implications of Judaism, not only in Israel. So it's important. Identity-wise, it's extremely important. And when religious, of, you know, freedom of religion would be better in Israel, I think it will have better implications in other aspects of the society. But if I'm honest with myself and, and with your audience, I think that there are more important things when it comes to Israel. And I think that, for example, I, I'll give you one thing. You know, minority-majority relations within Israel, even not going to the Palestinians in the West Bank and Gaza. I think that the way we treat Arab citizens of Israel and 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 the relationship between Jews and Arabs within Israel is so much more important to the actual nature of the country of what kind of a society we are than that because isn't it fair to say though that the same parties that would push a liberal agenda on religion and state are those parties that would push for better relations with no. Israel with the Arab minority no that's the thing okay Please you know I, I I was I was getting ready to to the question how come the left is losing or something like we'll this? get there no so that's part of the that's part of the answer i think that you know religion state affairs was one of the issues that were brought from the left you know merits was the first party to bring it to, to public discourse but it was actually accepted or um kind of like integrated within center even center right parties today you know to to be anti-lgbtq today it's not legitimate even if you're an Aftali bennett in a way yeah. Uh, so I so I think that that's exactly where the left has brought in an agenda that is as as it was it's, taken by the right as well, which is great. That's it's the, become mainstream. Th- that's right? the that, that's the way you create change. You know, I'm uh, I'm in the field of social change. That's the way social change is happening. That's great. So I think that these issues of religion, and state, and 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 acceptance of, of 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 equality among Jews is much more mainstream and center kind of politics, even center right 
which is the relations for between Arabs and Jews in Israel, is still kind of like within the left wing or center left. And by the way, changing as well. And changing as well. Why? Not because um, of, of, of universal kind of like ideas of equality, but actually because the center, center right, understand better the political power of the Arab minority within Israel. Yeah. That, you see Netanyahu quoting the Arabs. It, that, you, that's an issue of power. You, you know, see Mansour Abbas from the Islamist party who broke off from the Arab, part, the Arab list joined, yeah. and, and they might back Netanyahu. It's crazy. No, but, but, but seriously, like, I'll run, like I, would, I would not jo, jo, uh, vote for the joint party, journalist party, but definitely if there is something they proved by getting 15 seats in the Knesset is how important is their political power. They're and part all, of the game, yeah. Yeah, and, and only because they were powerful. And that's what Bansu Abbas, I think, missed extremely. He thought he would bring, you know, if he gets four seats, he would get more influence. I don't think so. I think that without the power of the joint list, the air minority worth so, so much, if you can say it, so much less uh, uh, within, within Israeli politics. So I think that that's really, really interesting where it goes. Um, I remember still the days when you know Yair Lapid said Zuabis and 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 treated the Arab minority as someone that some people who cannot be part of coalition. Yeah, it's not the case anymore. You know, even Gidon Sar speaks today about about the need uh, to cater or to address the the needs of the Arab minority in Israel. And and Lieberman Lieberman today said that he would not vote for the nation state law. Huh. That's some that that's a revolution. <laughs> the nation nation state law that actually defined Israel as the state of the Jewish uh, people. Period. Without any any. How do you feel about that law? I think it's a miserable law. I think that it 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 undermines Israel's character as democracy in in, in the most brutal way. I think that. Can, can you uh, give, sum it up for our listeners who might not be aware of what it is? So so basically, almost Israel Israel does not have a constitution. What it does have uh, and uh, that play as a constitution are basic laws, basic law, laws who, that define what is Israel. And in every democracy, even quite broken democracies like Hungary, the, the, the first paragraph of, of, of the constitution actually defines what is the state that we're looking at. Nation state doesn't really matter, every state. In every, every constitution, Alexander Jakobson wrote about it, actually refers to the nation that lives in this place, let's say the Jewish state, right? This is the homeland of the Jewish people. But every other democracy would actually mention and all of its citizens or all the minorities who live with us here. The only... Our Declaration of Independence said... Exactly. Much. So one of the suggestions was actually to, to, to pass the Declaration of Independence as a law. But back then, the right wing of Israel was not willing even to accept the Declaration of Independence of Israel as a law. Because it was extremely important for them to have this uh, Israel as a state only of the Jewish people. Wait, when you're saying back then, what, what like three years ago, four years ago? Okay. Yeah, it was, it was very. By recent. the way, it, very interestingly, you know, and I remember myself being in, in in massive arguments with people, and all of a sudden, yesterday, Netanyahu was given an interview and said, like, "No, we did we did the nation state law not because of the Arabs, but actually because of uh, African asylum seekers." So, oh. uh, it, which is a complete lie. Like they're the, not citizens. What? But they're not citizens. Exactly. They don't pose any threat to the. You now, can't make that argument. It's not an it's not an intellectually honest argument. How long have you been living here? Welcome, welcome to Israel. <laughs> Too many years. <laughs> yeah, but but that that's 
It's like I, asking I, me how I jaded think, I am. I I, I think I think that for me, in many ways, this point, the nation state law, was um, emotionally, personally, it it was a uh, it was a very, one of the harshest points. You know, I I I was very lukewarm about it. I kind of they passed it, and I was like, okay, why do we need it? For you, it was like stating the obvious, in a way. Yeah, we're we're Jew, we're a Jewish state. Hebrews our language. Hatikva is our anthem. Uh, you know the flag. Yeah, the Star of David is our flag. Okay, thanks. Uh, I would have been much more comfortable if there would have been one sentence in there. That's it. That said, we fully respect the rights of our minorities who are full citizens of the country. But that, that's and that's it. And I would have been fine with it. But that, that and the and the Arabic language it was always an official language here. Yeah. And, they, and they kind of like. It was unnecessary. They, they upgraded the Hebrew over the Arabic, but but for people, which is which is also extraordinarily denigrating to more than fifty percent of, of Israel's uh, Jewish population. That's as well. true, but the, but the fact that they did not do it because of them, it, it means a lot. I think that we need to acknowledge the fact that up until we will be able to ensure full equality, not only legal equality, but also um, thought, really really equality. Not look at them as enemies. To the to the largest minority who live in the country, we would have real problem with the definition of Israel as, as a democracy, and yeah. I think that that's that's the number one challenge more than the, the our relations with the Palestinian and the occupation more than anything else. I think that the moment we will be able to accept the fact that here we have a majority of Jews, that we're not going to start even even discussion how did we became majority, why are they minority? That's okay, I'm accepting it, but the fact that we are not able to create uh, a full partnership and a full equality among Jews and, and Arabs living in this country. Um, I feel very uncomfortable with that. And I think that that's, you know, if, if I would say, what's my number one priority? What's my mission? What, wh- why, why do I do what I do? That would be the first one. Would you, would you say, or even expose a little bit of my own beliefs here, would you, would you agree with me that it's, if we're, if we're going to analyze it psychologically speaking, that it's almost, it's a very insecure thing to do it's a very it's a law that that showcases a people's insecurity in their place and in their in their position or in their hold on this land no doubt no doubt that that it it has two i think it has two main reasons why it's insecurity and the need to prove always that like you know yeah it's like like the bully in the class like this person always needs to prove that he's stronger than the other because otherwise something will be exposed yeah it it, it, it devalidates their i don't like to use the bully metaphor but um um you know, Benny and I always joke here that, um, you know, certainly the Jews in history and Israel, the state of Israel has been uh, singled out, picked on, et cetera, right? And I think it's part of our mentality as Jews. And it's only in recent years that we've had this confidence that we have as a country, as a people, whether it's American Jews who are in their kind of, I hate to use that word privilege, but they've reached a position of status in America, even if they're a target of anti-Semitism. And we here in this neighborhood have built Israel into a powerful country, militarily and economically. We can't, we can't get away from that. And yet, we always, I always see these people, friends of mine, people who I respect dearly, and, and, it, and I'm not saying this to make fun of them, and some of them might even be listening now, um, but, but it says something to a mentality, and it's always like, you know, there's an achievement by Israel, and, and they post it on Facebook and say, take that BDS. You know, take that anti-Israel movement. And it's like, well, why can't we, I don't get it. We, why are we in this constant like struggle that we're here? Because there's something that, very insecure that show that that exposes something that listen there is something in the way this this country was established and there is something in yeah. the way 
we are uh, who we are and i think that the need always to prove to, to the world that we are the most powerful or the most you know We're righteous right. yeah and, and we are right it doesn't make any sense because facts are different, right? Yeah. We are we were established like many other countries in the time that Israel was established in the yeah. mid eight, uh, 1940s, and we've created. There, there were many ethnic yeah. and and civil wars in and, the world at the time, and we came out of one of them. And and, and and we've created we've created things that we can actually acknowledge that we've created, which was were negative, and I think that only if we we accept the fact that we are strong enough, we will be able to sure. uh, to go forward. But the second point that I wanted to make about about the first is insecurity and the second one is actually the notion that there is it's a, always a win-lose kind of a situation yeah. zero-sum game zero-sum game right when you win the other side loses right. there is no notion by the way not only about about is within israel also with the palestinians on the other side of yeah. the green line they, they, they look they, at they, it the they, same way yeah that both of us actually can win from a situation yeah. which is better from all of us i can show you know organizations that we support like you know physicians for human rights we're, we're advocating for israel to uh, allow uh, vaccinations for Palestinians in the in the West Bank, and I was extremely surprised by the fact that Israel was so much opposing to it because, a, we are inter you know many of us are in, in integration right you know mainly settlers and and and, and physically you mean the, yeah, the yeah. intertwined yeah. populations oh, look, living across the street from my house with is a construction site. So, and so they're we, all Palestinian. So we did vaccinate after yeah. after a struggle. We did vaccinate those, but we would not vaccinate those who are um, not coming uh, in. Not coming in. And I think that you know there is a win-win situation yeah. that can happen, and that's exactly an example of a situation that would be a win-win. But something in this culture, and I don't really know why and how it come about. That could, there could is always always a win-lose. Yeah. If, if they lose, we win. If we, it's something very Middle Eastern. I don't know. It's something very Middle Eastern because it's not just here. You see it all over the Middle East of these like when it comes, you know, all these tensions that we've had. And it's always like, no, no, no. We It's either us or you. There's no, you know, and, and it's when societies and countries can figure out, okay, we, actually we can all work together and, and, and we'll all profit from this. Um, that, that you realize that uh, I have I have this in a lot of the conversations with my new Emirati friends, you know, who are kind of coming into this and and it's like no we're not picking sides here you know we can all be winners here right we're not picking sides and we're not picking israel over the palestinians and um and, and i think it's it's a, a welcome kind of kind of thinking um but but there's yeah there's definitely something in our scar tissue our jewish dna scar tissue but i i don't get it because you know one of the things that if you're of course, you did. Uh, heard about Arthur Finkelstein? That was like the 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 Arthur Finkelstein is the uh, spin doctor that Netanyahu brought here in the 1990s. To, you know, that changed the political culture of Israel, basically. Okay. Um, and he was he was the one that you know brought him to the us versus them political kind of like campaign. And the way he would work, he would ask, actually phone people and ask them, "Are you more Israeli or more Jewish? If you are more Jewish." You would be considered by him, you know, marked as as a right winger. If you were more Israeli, you would yeah. be uh, like left leaning. And I have to say, I feel in many ways more Jewish than Israeli, although I feel both strongly about both of them because I feel that something in the history of the Jewish people, actually, the fact that we were weak, the fact that we went through what we went, keeps us kind of like rooted or connected to our weak sides of 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 of, of our history, which I think you know some of us kind of like never said never again about 
the entire world and some of us said never again only about, about us Ju- about yeah Jews. and I feel very uncomfortable about those I when I when I'm talking to foreign groups about the Israeli mentality and, and I, I bring that up exactly I say everyone says never again after the Holocaust in Israel they're talking about us yeah like and and the rest of the world's never again we won't let genocide happen again it's just all bullshit I mean it, it happens no, no, again, no, and again, I, and again and again I, and again but I take oh it, yeah you're, you're definitely right but I think that the, the, I, what, I take what, what, it as sincere I, I take it at face value I, I, I try not to no, no, but that's what they teach, they teach you in school. Yeah. Never again to us. As an ethos, here, right? Oh, here, yes. I'm saying in the world. I don't think that the world is internalized the never again I'm ethos. talking about diaspora Jews. Sure. When American Jews, you know, internalize never again, and they do it very sincerely. I'm not saying they're not. It's a never again to anybody. Right. And and, and that's fine. That, that's right. a very diaspora mentality of, right, to protect you know, you know, the whole, like, they came for them and nobody was there to stood up for them and then they came for us and nobody was there to stand up for us. I, I very much understand it. And and uh, I, I wish we adopted a little more of that mentality here as well, though we, we have plenty of our own problems to deal with. No, but uh, I think it would change the, the, yeah. the actual, you know, we are strong. You know, I understand the fact that, you know, we are weak and we had to do what we had to do, but we are strong, we are powerful. Yeah. We have what to offer to the world. Why are we acting in such a... In such a way that actually puts us down as as a society and, and insecure. I think, it's insecure. By the way, it's not us. I think that the Israeli society and we're about to you know we are about to talk about elections. I think that we're split about that exactly. That's one of the things that well, we're split about. I think the parlay into that. I think that we're in that place because that sort of thinking serves the political interests of True. Of, of, of certain people that, for better or for worse, understand that dynamic very very well. That that visceral need of. Of, of certain elements of, of, of our population, similar to the fact that, you know, you would see that in many other societies. I mean, we, we all witnessed what was in the United States in the past four years and what it continues to exist there in many ways. And, and the world is going to very, very polarized extremes. Uh, and and it is interesting because we are a smaller society. We, we on the face of things, cannot afford to have this kind of discord between elements. We, we live too close to one another. There is no geographical difference between us and the people that think differently than us. It would it would be to our extreme detriment if, if any of this discourse would take a violent aspect or it a happened. violent turn. It happened few In, uh, Again, it would be, it would be, if we see what's going on now, because remember that when that happened previously, we didn't have these uh, Listen, I have to things. say it's, that it's, you know this, it could be a flashpoint much quicker now. I, I I will talk about my job quite soon, but I can tell you that in the last three and a half years, I felt threat to my security more than once because of political tensions in Israel. Yeah, they had, they I, had I a billboard on the ILON. Not me, <laughs> not not me personally. It was Talia Sasson, the former president. But no, you know I. You're a hated figure here. <laughs> I'm I'm. V- we got you know, guards posted downstairs. It's, like, it's really interesting because with every, you know, when you do something, people, people either ad, like admire, love, think that you you can save the world or hate you. And it's really extreme because, you know, you know me quite well and I'm very not extreme person. In no, person not at all. In personality, like I, I don't do well extremism. But but you'd, it, be, you'd be a bad extremist. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm not. I'm I'm not good at that. And and it was really interesting because you know when things came heated, like like when it was really heat, it was really horrible. And certain people thought we could save the world. Like, why don't you do that? You know, you can save the world. And the re- you know, on the other side was like, you know, you're you're killing the the actual identity of the state of Israel. And that actually a result of a very very smart political campaign. Well, hey, let's wait, let's wait, take wait, a step wait, back wait. a second. You're you're let, the wait. Let, let, I want to explain what the Newsreel Fund is. 
You want to do it? No, I was going to say after you explain that, if you could explain to us what what happened. Oh, hang on, we'll get there. So, so Mickey Mickey is the um, executive director of the New Israel Fund, which is a, we'll call it a progressive organization, a left wing sure. organization in Israeli politics. And um, for for those of you who are Israeli who are listening, or possibly um, Jews in the diaspora who are listening, you either love this organization or you despise it with all your being. Okay. Um, and, and I would have no problem taking a position on this, on this organization if I had one, but I want to point out to our listeners who might be ideological one way or the other, we're, we're not taking a position by inviting Mickey on the show. We wanted to invite Mickey on the show to have a good conversation about, well, we're taking a position on the fact that you can sit in a room with somebody that's nowadays, exactly. but, nowadays but, but, age, but, it's important to say you can sit in the, a room with somebody that you, that, that, that discussion and disclaimer is crazy. It, you know, it is. No, no, but we need to acknowledge it. That's part of the thing. You know, you always need to bring, you know, those who bring good to the world and those who bring bad to the world, they need to be like somewhat equalized in, in a way yeah. like that's not, an okay perception of the world. I, it's uh, insane. Uh, and the I, fact I that have I, have, friends, I, I have friends, they're not listeners of the show, but I have friends who literally think you are a master terrorist. You are the worst thing that's ever happened in this country. Not you personally, because they don't know you, but your organization and what you stand but, for. But that's that's exactly, you know, where, when we talk about the, so I'll say a few words about the Newsreel Fund. And Please, then, yeah, yeah. And then, and then about the campaign that started against us. G- we, give us the clean pitch and then we'll talk into the yeah, polarization. So, so basically, NIF Newsreel Fund was established in the late seventies as part of the liberalization of, of 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 American Jewry and Israeli society. By the way, very much connected to the the seventy seven um, you know political change in Israel. Basically, American Jews who said, you know, we are connected to Israel. We've been giving to Israel all our life, but we want to give connected to our values. We don't want to kind of like check our values when it comes to Israel. And those are, you know, liberal Jews. And their notion when, when NIF was, was, was established is that if Israel has a strong civil society, its democracy will be stronger, right? Because, you know, involved citizens, involved people make this country more democratic. It was not political in any way. They spoke about, minor, you know, as, as every liberal groups, they thought they speak about minority rights and women's rights. By the way, they, they could not touch LGBT, LGBTQ rights back then because it was too kind too, of like... Too far. Too far. Arabs, yes. Women's, yes. Um, you know, violence, issues like that. And basically... We're not touching that gay stuff. Yeah, that? it was too much no, for them. No, no, no. You, you know, it, it was... Too and far, that's actually far. how... That's amazing how the world has changed because today... You can you, you cannot be a liberal organization without touching this issue, while other issues went you know they're un, they're untouchable. But anyway, NIF has established basically the Israeli civil society as it is today. Almost every liberal organization that you know touch upon everything was somehow connected to NIF when it was established. Either got its first grants from grant from us, or we have another arm. We have the the, the funding arm, and the other arm is. It's called Shatil. Shatil is our capacity building arm and coalition building arm that actually brings organizations together or activists together and teach them what does it mean to be active in civil society the way it is today. And for basically 30 years, we were the, we were the most accepted organization in Israel. We did support pro like minority groups in Israel, LGBT, women, and we opposed occupation as part of our ideology. We support human rights organizations who oppose occupation because that's what it means to be a liberal. You are not supporting an occupation. 
And about 10 years ago, uh, we were targeted by a smear campaign of um, what we know today, what, what is called today a gongo, a government organized, non-governmental organization called Imtirtsu. Okay. Uh, which today we're, we know connected directly to the Netanyahu family and to, to the Netanyahu's and his, their first grant was given by evangelical Christians that connected to the, to the Netanyahu. So this is basically a government organi- organization, Imtirtsu, uh, if you will it, is, is what the, we can translate it to. And it's, it's a, we'll call it a right-wing nationalist... Populist organization. Populist organization. But back then, when the, when the campaign started, when we just you know, went through it, it says like, it's a centrist organization. Like they didn't even expose who, who they were. Like the, it was like, you know, people from like, you know, middle of the, uh, middle of the road in Israel who, you know, care for the Zionist character of the state of Israel. And they attacked us on uh, what they said, which again was very partially true, that part of the report of, 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 of Goldstone, Goldstone was um, South was African uh, judge that was- The UN report, right? The UN report was basically based on um, reports of the human rights organizations that we support, which is partially true and partially not true, but doesn't really matter. And then they started a smear campaign, like, you know, traitors, there is no one negative word that did not can, say. Can we pull up their video actually and put it on? It's kind of funny. It's just disgusting. It's kind of funny. I, I don't uh, think. No? I, I don't think it's funny. There's okay. like a two minute clip where they're like, uh, they eat babies and they, you know. It's it's really like, and today, by the you way. You eat babies, man? Yuck. <laughs> <laughs> I should have been a vegetarian, but I'm not, so. You can't eat babies even a vegetarian. Yeah. It's a problem. Um, no, but I, I watched this before the show and, and he's like, this is the your the, your the previous person in your position. Was even even uh, part of it was about people you know grantees who are connected to us. Part about about us, but it was if you read if you know the Jewish history, you see all elements of anti-Semitic anti-Semitic campaigns, right? Yeah, they, they took Nomi Chazan, who used to be you know a deputy member of a deputy uh, chairperson of the Knesset, uh, you know an established uh, pr- uh, professor. And made her the evil person the of the world, and and also the way they 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 portrayed her, like they made like this long nose of her, like really the character was a clear anti-Semitic character, and and they and and they admitted today they were trying to make her look as she was scary. That's exactly what what you know anti. That's what the Nazis used to do. I didn't. I didn't use the word. But I yeah. did. That's what the Soviets used to do. And, and, that's and, what and the Tsarists used to do. And that's and and again and and we were a very easy target a because we supported so many of the organizations as I said many of them were established you know well, by, when did this start the smear campaign start I think it was t- twenty ten or twenty nine and Goldstone and, and, was right after Goldstone was uh, Goldstone was after the first what was it that was two thousand eight. Yeah, it was 2008, 2008. 2009. So, so this was this was again for those who who aren't following along. Two thousand eight was the second round of fighting. In really, the, the first major round of fighting between Israel and, and Hamas in Gaza. And then a, um, a judge, a South African judge, did a commission for the UN. And it was really sloppy work. I was in the army at the time, and we were just like, oh, my God, what is this guy talking about? Uh, they took a lot of Hamas testimony um, at face value. And, and you, you know, it's, it was clearly propaganda. And he actually admitted it like about a year or two later that it was not a good report. I, I think that part of the report was was real. Part of it was report was not not good work, but it was not. But to do, today we we know that it had nothing to do with the report. The idea was actually yeah. 
and we learn it because we know how to speak about populism today, right? Right. You have to find the enemy from within in order... So this is how populism works. Yeah, you know, because you, you need to rally right. the people who are the people, the people who agree with us against someone. And it's always better. It, it's, it's either the enemy from the outside, Iran or the Palestinians, or... And they have to have a collaborator from the from within. And that's, that's you. That's us. That's exactly us. And it's always have to be connected to money. As George Soros is gonna, is the money person in Hungary, and 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 you have the same thing in in Poland. Do you, do you guys get money from Soros? Unfortunately, not. <laughs> uh, but we are we will be very happy to get money from Soros. George, if you're listening, exactly. And you want to fund uh, Mickey's organization? That'd be crazy if George Soros was actually listening. He was like, oh, we yeah. have like three, we three have like three listeners in Hungary. He could be one of them. He lives in the U.S. though. We have like 2,000 listeners <laughs> in the U.S., so it, he could be one of them too. I hope so. Do, would, you, would you accept George money? Soros doesn't listen. He's a frog person. He's a, he's a lizard man. Who, uh, you don't think lizard people listen to podcasts? <laughs> they definitely do. If George Soros offered us money for this show, to fund this show, would you take it? How much? That we could make this our living. Yes. <laughs> He's a great, by the way. I would be a shill for George. By the way, I have to say something about George Soros. Like, you know, my parents came from the Soviet Union, as I said. You know, George Soros was there for democracy in Eastern Europe and Central Europe when when, when these totalitarian, uh, you know, regimes were falling apart. He is the person that not only fed people, but also established universities. And he is a progressive, but being a progressive is not a sin. And part of no. what they part of what they made out of it is like there is a legitimate political view and there is non-legitimate political view. But, but I think this is is exactly the point. I mean, we're joking here about George Soros, lizard lizard men, and and how he's like the you know the devil incarnate and whatnot. But it's it it illustrates the point in that I have no idea. Legitimately, you might because you 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 study this, but like I as just a regular person have no idea what George Soros did or does I don't that either. puts him into the realm of George Soros, the evil supporter of whatever you want to say that's going to turn all of us into communists and awful people and take down, you know, democratic society and freedoms. I have no idea that like, but I know it's not true because I'm, I'm a person who's in, you know, somewhat of an intellectual thinker. I realize that there's misinformation, skeptic, right? disinformation and, and I'm a skeptic, but if, they were playing that word association game when they were like, say the first thing that comes to mind. I'm going to say anything. George Soros, you'd be like, you know, it, it wouldn't be a positive thought. And, and I think that that's the same thing that kind of happens in the Israeli discourse within about the new, within I because true. I have no idea le legitimately why. I mean, I, I did a little bit of research coming into this podcast, but in general, I would have no reason to understand why the new Israel fund is demonized. If I was an average everyday Joe Schmo living out in the street, not following these things, but I would know, on you know, in my heart that I'm you know I'm a proud Zionist. Of course, I must not like the New Israel Fund because I vote well, for well, Bibi and I vote for who do you guys, and who I do you vote guys support? What organizations? So you, we we support organizations. Can we go through them? We have hundreds of them. All of them. Let's go. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we have six issue areas in which we that we support. Religious freedom organizations like the Reform Movement, the Conservative Movement, and Israel Chofshid Be Free Israel, the organization that I founded. Second, second world of, of, of support is social justice organizations, mainly Mizrahi organizations, organizations that to do with public... Like what, which ones? Akeshta Mizrahita Demokratit and public housing organizations and, and organizations that work on, on, on uh, equality between, between poor and, and, 
like trying to thrive for equality on issues of lands in Israel connected to Mizra- you know the issues to do with uh, uh, with um, can, can I ask how much money you guys allocate every year so I'll tell you how it works in a second so social justice organization that's the second third thing is all the world of shared society Jews and bringing uh, Jews and Arabs together and combating racism not only um, uh, Arabs but also Ethiopian Jews and For example, we supported for many years the struggle against the separation between Ashkenazi and, and Sephardic girls in, in, uh, in religious schools, in religious schools and, and stuff like this. The third world, is, which is separate from that, is the Arab minority with Israel. We separate it from the shared society because we say there is not going to be a shared society until there is equality between Arabs and mm-hmm. Jews. And we support human rights organizations, including anti-occupation organizations that work in the territories. That's supposedly the reason we get all the heat we get. Because we have an opinion about it when we strongly oppose the occupation. And the last kind of like subject, which is a new subject for us, is what we call the new initiatives for democracy. And those are not issue-related organizations, but actually cross-issue organizations that actually support infrastructure for Israeli democracy and uh, new ideas and new um, new methods of, 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 of campaigning and so on. Like, so like what? Like Zazim, the IsraeliMoveOn.org, Omdim Beyachat, Standing Together, which is kind of like a Jewish-Arab movement that works across the country. Do you guys support any specific political parties? No, not at all. We are a 501c3 organization, so we're not allowed and we're not supposed to su- support any political party. Um, no, we work within civil society and that's our power. I think that if we were connected to, to a political party, we could not do our work. And, and again, you know, for so many years, we would work with so many of, of, of political parties. You know, we could not pass a lot of, of the legislation that has passed due to the fact we give... I think, I think if I, correct me if I'm wrong, you're also very involved in Israel on the municipal level. A lot of, a lot of uh, municipalities uh, in many ways are, are, are the, the beneficiaries of... No, so we don't work... With, we would not work with municipality directly. We might work or we do work with, let's say, with organizations to work on the municipal level because the, the beneficiaries of our organizations must be an amuta, an, an NGO, NGOs. right? So, um, but we do it by, you know, providing funding and by building capacities to these organizations or actors in the field. Because again, you know, coming from the US and, and all strategy that it's not enough to be funding organization, but you actually need to work on, on the organizational capacity of these organizations. And I think that um, through the years, I just, you know, environmental legislation and, and f- you know, freedom of expression legislation. And then, and, and we, we've been involved in so, so many of those and, and, uh, you know, freedom of, ex- um, and freedom of movement, freedom of movement. I think that basically liberal Israel was founded, you know, was funded in many ways by, by NIF, Um, and NAF maintains different fundraising arms or offices in different countries throughout the so world. So yeah, so we are an American-Israeli organization that has sister organizations, or I would say we call them partners or affiliates also in Australia, in the UK. Oh, you have Liam in Australia. I met him. He's a great guy. Yeah, we had a good time. We sat on a panel together. He's really a great guy. And Switzerland, and I probably forget a few others. So what's your yearly allocation so, budget? So, so that's, we, we do basically three, three things. Our annual budget is about three, $30 million. That is both what we allocate, but also, you know, the fundraising. Your staff. George yeah. Soros, they need more. Come on, we, George. We don't, we, big chunk of it is, is, uh, is kind of like, you know, we 
we allow people to fund through us, so we do the due diligence and yeah. check the organization and so on. A part of it is organ- organization that we fund directly. This is like a general support money that we have and we fund it. That's about four and a half million dollars. And then we have also Shatil, this kind of like capacity building arm, coalition building arm that is also about so noticing. Are, 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 are you funded in any way by like Jewish federations in North America? Or? So so we are kind of like a, a comp- we do have partnerships with the Jewish federations in North America on, on issues like public housing and so on, definitely through Shatil, but in many ways we are a competitor. Mm. We are your liberal alternative to your Jewish federation. Yeah, because and that's it, controversial for some people, right? Oh, definitely. Because they, they also both fund direct organizations here, but they also channel the money in and do the due diligence through, right. uh, what's it called? The Jewish agency. They no, do. but they have an arm. They have a financial arm. G- the J- uh, JFNA? No, JFNA has a financial arm that they work with. I forget the acronym. Another one of the acronyms. There's a lot of acronyms. But, but No, but we definitely, you know, when you give to federation, you don't know what kind of of, of, of ideological element, you know, it can be. You can sit on the board and you'll know. Yeah, but still. You can like, read a report. But you can, but, but it means nothing to the fact that you give to federation. When you give, when you give to NIF, you know what kind of. You're telling me you're not funding settlements? We are not funding <laughs> settlements, no doubt. What, so what are the kind of organizations that you guys get a lot of heat from from the Israeli right? So the big names that people know usually would be B'Tselem, Breaking the Silence, Adala. Um, who else is going to be? I don't know, Physicians for Human Rights, Gisha. Can we, can we talk about, okay, Breaking the Silence. I have to say, you know, I'm, again, I'm, not, I'm a very moderate person. Mm-hmm. But that's an organization that pisses me off too. Because you don't know enough what they do. Yalla, talk to me. I think that Breaking the Silence is one of the most important organizations and one of the reasons that you, you're so pissed because you've never been on a tour of, with Breaking the Silence. You've never actually... For the record, I have. And what did you think about the it tour? It was eye-opening. Eye-opening. Something that you've never thought you'd you would see. One of the problems that we, we as the center-left created in Israel, problems or not problems, is that we were not aware of the occupation. Right? Sure. We don't feel the occupation. The occupation is not part of our life. What they do in an annoying way, they bring in... Not without mistakes, right? But they bring in testimonies of soldiers who feel or felt that they've done horrible things during their army service, and they they tell it to the public. Now you have two options: either to say, as it ha- as it happened in the beginning when they were established, we give that we give it a space. By, by the way, in, in the Israeli culture, there is there is something about like Yorim ve'Buchim. There is there is it's culturally. Uh, we're not happy that we're going to war. Yeah, and and, and we used to kind of like this respect the fact that the soldiers are coming back and telling the stories in order for us to improve. No, so I don't have a problem with that. No, my, but, but... My problem was when they started going abroad. So that's the question. That That's when I started having so, a problem so, with this so, organization. So, first of all, 95% of the work is here. The fact the right wing has put uh, a spotlight for for the work there, it's on purpose. But what the right wing does not tell you, that they have, a, you know, Moetzet Yesha, the Yesha Council, have their own foreign office that goes around the world sure. and, 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 and does their politics. How can we live as Israelis, as pro-Israeli Israelis, how can we leave the space completely to the right wing, which is funded both by the, by the government and by these organizations? We have to tell our stories. We have to say that you know, there are Israelis that feel and think differently. When I started, I did my master's in, in London. And one of the things that, you know, that was very easy to the quote-unquote uh, anti-Israel groups is that all Israelis seem the same to them. We all think the same. We all, for the occupation, we all... 
And actually, when people like myself, you know, stood up and started talking about, you know, I'm an Israeli, I oppose the occupation, I think that, you know, controlling people and not giving them citizenship is the wrong thing, it kind of like blew people's mind. Like, yeah, they don't know what to do with it. They, they don't know how to do it. If Israel is actually, is officially Israel, would actually think about its own benefit and not about the political tensions that it serves at the point, actually these groups would be something that they would use for the benefit and to show diversity of, of the society. But unfortunately, it went the other way. It And it didn't go the other way because it served something. It went the other way because it, it's the best way to show them as those who are against the soldiers, let, let alone the fact that they are soldiers by themselves. And again, it's not that they did not make mistakes along the way. And and I'm telling you, I've never been in such pressure as they were. But when you feel that the entire country is against you, and when the prime minister of the country, the state of Israel is against you, yeah. and when you feel... All of a sudden, you see this, you know, I would say it very bluntly, elite kids who were officers in the army turning against, you know, th- 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 this this institute as everything is against you. You you really feel like you're 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 in battle against the, your actual existence, and and it, taking those people would be usually, you know, your poster boys, and make them. An internal enemy yeah. does not serve the, the the fabric of this country, and that's exactly what they made. If they took a person like me, you know, we talked, talk, we spoke about my, you know, me being an officer, being a shaliach, and and were able to make a person like me, in a certain, you know, time in in, in my career, the enemy of this country it just doesn't make any sense. Well, that's why I always thought it was ridiculous when I heard all these things about about the organization. I said, I know Mickey. I've known him for. 15 years he's as zionist as it gets like like that's you know part of the reason why we wanted to get you on the show is like how how can they call these people anti-zionist this guy served the country he's a proud israeli okay he's got different political opinions but like to call these people anti-zionist enemies of the state like i know these people that that it doesn't so first of all one of the things that it was i want to say first of all as you said i'm i'm a very proud zionist but it's okay also to be an israeli and not to be a zionist Sure, but, no, but no, you're a Zionist. I am, I'm, I'm very much a Zionist, yeah. And the second thing, they don't want to have a real discussion about our opinions. Like, it's yeah. not about how can you hold, you know, an occupation of 53 years without giving people voting rights for so long. It, it's not a discussion. It's about the, the traitors and, 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 and... Because it's easier to have that discussion on a, vis- on a visceral level if you don't have the capacity... When you don't have the capacity to have an intellectual discussion, it's easier to hold the population of people in that uh, in that framework for say than to say, let's talk and have an honest and open national conversation about what the occupation actually means. So, uh, what uh, is it doing to our civil society over the course of the past fifty to fifty three years? Are the the way that we see our civil discourse degrading today has it has it anything to do? with the fact that we have been doing this? Is it eroding our society? These are big questions, is I what th- I'm saying. I, I, and it's I'll easier not, not to have I, that I'll not give them the current... Like, those are extremely sophisticated, smart people who really... Part of them really believe that the fact that you have people from within are kind of like um, undermining the, 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 the Jewish sup- superiority is actually bad for the country. I'm, I'm, I'm actually no. They're open. very sincere. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm open to be positive about them. I'm not thinking of them as, as my enemies. Right? They're, they're my rivals. They're not my enemies. I think that, that at the same time, um, 
they took advantage of a very specific moment in time that, that you know, reality was tough here. Um, and, and we also need to acknowledge reality was tough here and took it, took it for, for their own advantage of, of making everything that sounds or look like a universalist or, or kind of like less connected and rooted in, in the Jewish tradition and make it the enemy. But it's not only here, it's exactly what's going on in Hungary yeah, and right. Poland and other places. And when that happened, I was not there, but when that happened 11 years ago, they didn't have the language or they didn't have the political examples from other countries around the world. It's much easier to speak the way I speak today after, you know, after the Trump era, right? Everyone understand what is Trumpism and, yeah. and, and fake what, news fake and, news and yeah. all of that. I, I told you guys earlier when, you know, a few years ago, I met a politician that used to be a, a senior politician in Israel. And, and we spoke about the NIF and she already knew what it was. And she said, when, you know, the attack against you started, the first thing that I did was actually go and try to find the truth. And she said, I couldn't, I couldn't find anything. So I, I kind of like went along with that. And she said, you know, I didn't understand the truth does not matter. And, and all the notion, all the concept and all the reality, how things work has changed through the smear campaigns and, and, and this kind of like uh, outthrows so much, sorry, shit at you. It's something with catch and, 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 and alternative facts and all of it really happened. And by the way, part of it is really hard. I want to say human rights organizations are never liked in society. They are not yeah. there to be liked. Well, it's like putting the mirror up. Exactly, exactly right. That's that, exactly, that, and yeah. they're, you know, I work with them. I love them. They're unbearable people. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's really the people that, you know, they, they, see, they would see the beautiful room, like a beautiful place, and they would actually... Look for the faults. Look for the But that's their job. And this society was very much aware of it for so many years that we have to have those who look yeah. for the faults. And the fact that all of a sudden this is an, an, an not a legitimate exercise is just ruining the, the very concept of... of I, I agree with you. And um, it as, as uncomfortable as it is to have the people who, who internally are saying, guys, we need to improve here and here and here and here. You know, I always like to say at the end of the day, when I boil down, you know, how do you explain a right winger and a left winger? A right winger thinks everything about your, you and your country and your people is perfect and you can't criticize them. The further you go to the right, the less you can criticize. And the further you go to the left, everything's bad, everything's a critique and nothing's good about where you are. Right? And by the way, and that's, I can speak about the left. It's hard for me to, to kind of like speak about the right. And I said it, but I think it's really important to understand as more you're attacked, you're more, the tendency to do it gets high, you know, higher because you're, you don't feel accepted by your own society. So yeah. you fight back. That You've also been provoked. That's, that's the, that's the, the, the unbearable point, you know, in, in your, you know, in, in your political struggle, because, because one of the things is that you've learned that there are opinions and you need to, you know, show and present the reality as it is. Are you sorry for supporting any of the organizations that you currently support or have in the past? Listen, I... Because I, they took things too far, maybe? I, I do disagree with certain political statements of, of, of certain organizations, and I, I don't agree with their analysis, but there is always something in their work that I would, uh, I'm very happy to support. And that's not the same. Let's take Adala, for example. Yeah, that's a very nuanced position. Yeah, but, but, but that's what philanthropy does, like, right? Mm. In philanthropy, you don't... If I wanted to be the executive director of Adala, I would go and be the executive 
No, I would not because he's been there for very long <laughs> and, and he's significant and he's most he's probably most like the smartest person I've ever met in my life. Can you tell people what Adala is? Adala is, is a is a justice uh, is an organization that that works on on the rights of the Arab minority within Israel, but it also work on issues to do with like a, a legal legal yeah legal and they are very you know they are for kind of like um their definition of of of, of Israel is kind of like um. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, nation so for all its citizens. Right. They want to say a country where Arabs and Jews and everyone is an equal citizen Israeli and it's not a Jewish state. So I disagree. Like, I do very strongly see Israel as a Jewish state. But on the other hand, I very strongly support their actions within the legal system of Israel. Like, I really think that their appeals to the Supreme Court, as, as by the way, as, as discussed by the Supreme Court, have saved Israel's legitimacy. So many times when when Israel undermined the, the Arab minority within Israel, so I don't have to agree with every organization but but I would not support I would not want and I have to support at the end of the day I have a board and it's a very kind of like transparent organization but I hope we support only the elements that I feel comfortable with and again I'm not how do you, how do you know that I mean you have you know because uh, they s- submit to Again, we are not every organizations we support, and we're not, like the notion that a federation, let's say, is every organization that the federation support is not. Every organization has a board and as decision making processes. And we as a funder, try to find a place where we kind of like come together and where their work or their ideology is closer to what we think mm-hmm. needs to be um, the situation on the ground. And it's that's the hard part of of being a a fill. like a philanthropic body because you are not the strategist or you're not the decision maker of any of the organizations you need to under to feel that the work of this organization or, or this specific project is the one that you want to support so I would not want to live in a country that it's significant minority the air minority in Israel does not have a legal institution that represent them sure in court It doesn't mean that I have to agree with Hassan Jabrin on everything that he says or thinks that that those things are, do not have to come together interesting but that's exactly what the right wing is, is trying to do right it, it's all or nothing it, and and we are all of them right we are all of them where from one hand the modern Orthodox organization that works for religious freedom and we are on the other hand do you support uh, modern Orthodox organizations yes we've been Who? support we've up until recently we supported nominate to Rava Voda yeah I know them they're great they do great work uh, uh, yeah we are not anymore but we've supported them I think for 20 years is George Soros supporting them now I hope so. <laughs> uh, they're great. And my, my voice at like feminist or uh, feminist orthodox organizations have been supported by us for many years. Um, organizations like Tikkun are supported by us. Um, so that's, by the way, them, they are not us, right? They are not, not everything they say is, is, is contributed to us because it doesn't serve the narrative. But everything that is on, on what's considered to be the left side is contributed to us because that's the narrative yeah, that's they interesting. want. Yeah, that's interesting. They want to bring. So I'm not them. I'm not Nemnei Torah Avodah and I'm not Tikkun. I support some work that Nemnei Torah Avodah and Tikkun do because I think it brings something that I believe in. Same thing about the anti-occupation organizations or the, 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 the equality organizations. NIF is NIF. And NIF has NIF's positions. NIF has NIF's strategy, ideology. And as a funder, it funds specific projects and programs that promotes what we think and, and believe is right for Israel. Did I read um, that you were among a number of organizations that didn't accept the new anti-Semitism definition? 
we did not accept it as a, as a as a legal def- we we did we accepted as a, uh, as an educational definition but not a legal definition okay so let's break this down for our listeners what we're talking about and then i want to ask you why there was a uh, i uh, what's the acronym ihra international human rights association no no something with anti-semitism at the end anti-semitism okay one of these organizations let me look it up um put out and and is coalescing a lot of support international support right uh, and i think the state department supports it now i think the european union supports it now and the mainstream jewish community in america also supports it and it's it's go ahead you you both are very wrong international the international Hockey. holocaust remembrance right. alliance holocaust remembrance alliance okay is that with a michelin star or without <laughs> inside joke um so they put out a definition because one of the problems in tackling anti-Semitism, like in tackling all kinds of hate and racism, is what are we talking about? Is this anti-Semitism? Is that anti-Semitism, right? If, um, and, and there's a fault line in that. And one of the fault lines that we have is, is denying Israel's legitimacy as a state not considered only. anti-Semitic or not. No, what they brought in there, what they call the con- contemporary examples, and then it goes beyond Israel's legitimacy. It actually goes... To two things. First of all, Israel is trying. Israeli government has worked, worked really, really hard to create a situation in which basically every criticism of Israel could fall under that. Definitely, when they don't distinguish between settlements and Israel proper. Mm-hmm. And then you you get to a point that. Wait, hey, let's go to the definition though before we get to your your take on it. Can, can you pull that up again? Yeah, I'm gonna read. I'll, I will read the definition. Hold on. And again, for those who aren't aware, this is a big effort right now that Israel is trying to push, and there's a lot of international support for it. Um, this from is the what U.S. The, from the European Union, by the way, from a lot of organizations, and we have to say also mainstream Jewish organizations. And mainstream, yeah, that's very important to say mainstream Jewish organizations in the U.S. And okay. and no, but part of them they support it as a working definition and not as a legal definition. So we'll get to that in a second. What does it say? So this is actually it's not it's not new, which is which is no no it's been around. It's been around for quite for. For quite some time, uh, it was developed in 2003. It is a 38-word statement on what anti-Semitism is, and reads: Anti-Semitism is a certain perception of Jews, which may be expressed as hatred toward Jews. Rhetorical and physical manifestations of anti-Semitism are directed toward Jewish or non-Jewish individuals and/or their property, toward Jewish community institutions and religious facilities. Period. It goes. But w- it goes way beyond that. The issue is the issue of of, of criticism of Israel and the occupation and the settlements. And the thing is that you can find yourself um, in a situation that uh, that the political debate about about Israel and and where it goes and what does it do. All of a sudden, if you're an academic or professor in university, you're an anti-Semite because you think that the occupation is wrong. And we know that part of the effort of the Israeli government was actually to connect. To, to make everyone who speaks against Israel is is, is basically an anti-Semite, and we we felt that it's and and if you read if you read the statement, it's very clear about it. We support it as a working definition, but the the moment it becomes a law, it has real implications yeah. on on freedom of expression. And I think that the idea that we can work with a definition, we can really be clear about it, and we can allow space for criticism against Israel and, and against his. Uh, political 
you know, standing is very, is very important. You know, organizations like the ADL did not sign the same statement as we did, but said the same thing. Mm. They did not want to see it as a legal, legal definition because they, they knew that certain yeah. political elements would take, you know, that's the horrible thing about, about what happens now, the way, you know, instead of having an open discussion about anti-Semitism and work all together, it's again, this kind of like separation you bring it's again. hard it's hard look i spent a few years researching this professionally uh, and we did a project for the israeli government at uh, the jppi and, and and it's really hard because there's a lot of bad faith actors um uh, primarily primarily and initially from the anti-israel space a lot of bad faith actors who take advantage of this who who manipulate the system who um who silence legitimate discussion i you know you said um something you said earlier reminded me of something from the anti-israel kind of the BDS movement, anti-Israel sphere, um, when we were talking about, you know, facts don't matter. And, and, I, and I wrote a, long, uh, a number of long papers and edited a bunch of others. And one of the main tactics that they use is because they believe, and t- again, I'm talking about the anti-Israel movement here, the hardcore anti-Israel movement, because Israel is so illegitimate from um, that anything you do to defame it, to vilify it, to silence people who are having honest discussion about it, everything's kosher. Because you can't have an honest debate and an intellectual discussion about these nuances when Israel is literally the original sin of human rights today in the world. And it took the mainstream Jewish community in America a long time to understand this because they, you know, people like my father, who we both know and who you worked with when you were the shaliach, were trying for a long time to deal with this on a on a basis of facts. Israel is ABC, so then the Jewish community have to respond, well actually Israel's not ABC. But we have to explain the context so, and the legal definition of so we this. And so the, we you know. went to the other to, to the other extreme, you know. To, yeah, yeah, to, yeah. To have today the ACLU, the American Civil Rights Civil Liberties C- Union Union fighting the anti-BDS legislation because it kind of like silenced every... It silences First Amendment rights. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that's not a position in which Israel needs to be. I Is- agree. I Israel agree. needs to be in a completely different position. It needs to be saying we're welcoming every discussion about Israel. There are, you know, definitely Palestinians who are allowed to say what they feel and think about us. We will not accept and we'll fight fiercely everything which is a lie, everything which is... Well, that, that's a really hard line to walk. But, but yeah. that, was al- that was always my point when we were talking about this, and I think you agree with me on this, which is that I don't think that... I think the power dynamic is wrong when you see a legitimate, sovereign, powerful nation-state actor like Israel fighting a foreign political ideology like BDS. I think that that it's, it's like in law, there's this thing like you're entertaining the premise of the question. Like I don't think that Israel is on the same league as the BDS movement, and I think that I, don't is, I think Israel acknowledging the BDS as a threat towards Israel is a, is the wrong optics for Israel. Oh no, play. we shouldn't acknowledge. Uh, no, I don't think that Israel should be involved in the game. Millions period. and mil- millions and millions of of shekels were spent on fighting these BDS. Movement. Hundreds of millions. An entire government ministry was. No, I mean like this. millions and millions. Not yeah, as, yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, I'm yeah, just some, stressing your point even so, more. I mean, like, the BDS, I, I, the BDS, let's be honest, the BDS movement has failed. Uh, on the economic level. And politically, politically and speaking, politically, politically it's, it's, failed. Fa- it's failed completely. But you know where it succeeded? Where? In places in which the Israeli government has, has, has went into a, a fierce fight against it, made it the enemy of the world. Mm. And if they're the enemy of the world, someone needs to support yeah, it. Yeah, but you, you no. obviously know why. 
I, I know. I'll tell you exactly. What I mean, it's very, it's very simple. I mean, politicians have made their careers on that. I, no, I, hey, let it's me, a convenient issue so for I, you to. I, fight I, I, this I, is where they succeeded. This is where they succeeded. The the the. I wrote this, gosh, probably three years ago, and then I said this is a boring subject. I don't give a crap about this anymore. I'm moving on to more interesting things. And here we are again. And here we are again. <laughs> but this is the answer I tell people. The BDS movement as an economic diplomatic movement that tried to turn Israel into South Africa, apartheid era South Africa, and stain it and make it a pariah in the international stage failed. It failed. Where did it succeed? It succeeded in what I didn't know to give it a name until the past couple of years. And that's the ultra-woke, cancel culture um Po- postmodernist Fine, those discourse people. in America that has become mainstreamed in America to an extent, and Israel is lumped up in a bunch of issues. I agree. That. I, I agree. And that's where they succeed. Uh, fine. That's a very, very fringe. I don't think it's so fringe. It's fringe and not But I don't think Israel is the leading issue no, for I, them. No, I, I mean, like, it's fringe and unimportant. And I think the fact that Israel has made it such a big thing out of it has made it stronger than it is. And and you know I I know it from 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 campaigns right yeah. Netanyahu tells it all the time he needs to find an enemy sure. in order to hit it as strong as possible to make himself look stronger and that's sure. what they, what they did with the BDS movement the BDS movement is a failure and I think that it doesn't serve not the not the purpose of it, of it doesn't BDS. serve the Palestinians either definitely definitely not and so I I I strongly think it's a failure and, and I oppose it firmly because I think a, it doesn't serve anyone in this region. Having said that, I think that the fact that Israel has become such a, you know, has basically made a whole campaign against a failing movement and following this, you know, ultra-progressive elements in campuses who no one basically cares. Nobody cares about them. It was, it was, it's like, it, it's like you found the, you have to you have to prop, propagate this this feeling that the world's against us. Okay, so okay, who's against us legitimately? You have Islamists, Iran, which is kind of in the same boat. People that are actual terrorists that are against the state of Israel. You have and the far 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 left, the very and the, far and the right. very far right, and the very far right, and the very far left. You don't actually have a situation where like many in the government would have you, or it seems like many in the government would have you believe that it's us versus them. So all of a sudden you find this kind of, you want to call it fringe, sexy narrative sort of thing, the BDS on campus, college campuses, and, and it's, it is becoming this. Do you know what I wrote back then? It's, it's all this. Be- I was like, at, what I was are we asked, really talking I, about? I'll tell you exactly. This was so funny because I was asked to tackle this back. This is my first paper I wrote at JPPI. And, the, and and it, it was the hot issues, 2015, and the government's all hot. talking about this, and everyone's talking in Israel. Everyone was talking about BDS on college campuses. Ah, and I started interviewing people. I started calling Hillel's, and I started calling people on the ground in the U.S. and I, and I put together like a serious research project that was used by the Israeli government for a number of years. And it was like there are 4,000 college campuses in America. There's BDS movements on a couple hundred of them, and we're talking about like 10 people. In a movement. That's that's the thing. And they made and it, I was like, really? And it's it? probably it's probably the colleges that you thought that they would be at. And, 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 and I was like, and the, and the okay. And, and, and at that's the same time, and we have to say, at the same time, our brothers and sisters in the U.S. face real threat of anti-Semitism. You know, people were killed in synagogues in, in Philadelphia. People were killed Pittsburgh. Yeah. in Pittsburgh, sorry, in Pennsylvania. I hope not in Philadelphia. Yeah, yes. No. Be safe, sorry. people. 
We say Philadelphia. Uh, but anyway, so there is a real threat of anti-Semitism when you saw the you know the pro-Trump protests you know going to the, to the hill. You saw people say you know could that happen here? If, if let, oh, let, let me po- let me pose a de- scenario de- for de- you. Definitely. What okay. What part? Elections are coming. We're recording this on Sunday. They're working on it. We're we're recording this on Sunday. The episode will go on to you know for listeners will go up on Friday. The elections will have happened and we'll know the results in the in the middle. Can we see a Capitol Hill <laughs> scenario? They've already started. <laughs> They've already started. In Tirzu and part of members of, of Knesset of Likud, including the chairman of the Knesset, speaker of the Knesset, say that they know of um of Isdarim. Um Irregularities in 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 the election committee here, and and the, the election committee works against Likud, and and they already kind of like feeding the same narrative that Trump has fed. Do they believe themselves? Listen, I don't know who Does are. Does Mickey Zohar believe the kind I don't, of things I don't he know. says? I don't know. I can't. I can't speak on behalf of Mickey Zohar. I definitely know that there are people who are making it up. And they're learning from the same textbook <laughs> as 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 the Trumpists. I don't know what's the you know what the Intutsu activist who actually works on it thinks about it because he's been fed with this for yeah, so long. They believe my, it. my feeling though, and this is completely completely unacademic and not based in any reality or fact. It's just my intuition. <laughs> so please, is, is that similar to how Bibi, in many ways, there used to be like the, the Bibi of the '90s, who was like a more authentic Bibi. And then, like, there's like the BB during and post Trump, who's like, "I'm going to imitate Trump, BB." This is kind of like Israel imitating Trump in many ways. Where, I, where wait, let me let me, let me yeah, just sure. say where where it's where it comes to say like how much of it is an actual threat and how much of it is just going through the motions of starting. I think that it could be a threat, perhaps in election number seven, if we get to that point. I don't think that in election number, and maybe I'm naive, but I don't think that in election number four, the Israeli population, I don't is know, is similar. In, in in its in its proclivities or habits uh, or or societal norms that, I saw to the pro, American I saw population. Protest. In that hey, wait, I'm saying that yeah. in that you literally have in the United States the existence of people who can back up their disagreements with force. You have armed groups that I can charge here. here. I saw I saw it here. Well, we don't have militia. We don't have militia, but but the police are also far less willing to use force against Jews in this country. Understood, but we're talking about literal people storming a house of so parliament. I, I, I can see. Re- I, I can. But they would get as far as the gates, and they'd be put down. Maybe. Maybe. I don't think they would. You think the Knesset guards wouldn't? They would no, stand down. They, I hope you're right. I don't listen. It's. It's. I don't see it. The terrifying. fact. The fact that there are people work on this theory, and by the way, looking at at, at polls now, it looks like there is a good chance that you know we're either going to see another Netanyahu government or you know, or a fifth election, but. Netanyahu is fighting for his life. It's not a regular politician. It's not a politician that that, that fights for re-election. He's basically fighting for his life. If he loses the position of prime minister of Israel, he's done. He's going he's to done. Jail. He's done. He, he is at least going to be in a very, very through a very, very harsh period of time in which he spends most of his time in in, in court without all the protection of of his position. Yeah. So thinking of Netanyahu today. Only as a politician, I think it's a wrong way of, of, of analyzing the reality. And for his own sake, I would say, he's been in great talent, be you know, able to 
to allow himself or, or, or to push toward, you know, he has loads of people who, who oh, yeah. adore him. I, I read, I'm reading a wonderful article. I, re- I read Liberal. Do you read it? Yeah. So there's, uh, I'm, I'm usually a couple months behind because it takes me longer to read in Hebrew. But, um, <laughs> but Rotem Danon is the editor of, of Liberal. Yeah. Um, but the, the great kind of, they do histo- good historical pieces. If, if you want to borrow, um, and, and they trace the Likud from its beginnings to today, and they talk about how Bibi turned it into a personality cult, a cult of Bibi, how we, they kicked out all the the original kind of, we said Mamlakhti, kind of the statesman-like, yeah. you know, original liberal, you know, small L liberal uh, thinkers that founded the Likud, and then it's now a personality cult based on him, and now that he's under trial, it's especially that much. And we so, know it from the, you know, it's, it's, I don't know who made it, like, we have examples from it, not only in Israel, it's, it's Orban, Victor Orban mm-hmm. in, in Hungary, it's Bolsonaro in, in, in Brazil. Yeah. Brazil. It's definitely Modi. the case of, of Trump. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And and those leaders work that way. And you know, there is always a question if Bibi is one of them or not, because let's say on on you know, from one hand he's definitely one of them. On the other hand, let's say let's take the COVID issue, the corona, as opposed to Trump and Bolsonaro right. and others, he took it extremely seriously. He worked really hard to bring here. Uh, well, we, uh, the, well the, you know, the, we from my understanding, there's and, and we had again, we had Shmuel Rosner on the show a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago. He talks the populist game in order to keep himself in power, but his actual policies are very measured, and they're not even right wing. So, so I think it's been the case for many years, and now because of his need to protect himself, definitely yeah. when it comes to the to the legal system, he's willing to go as far as 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 it needs. I, yeah. I think so too, and that's you know part of. Why um, but, I, I, a lot of people are turning on him now. For people from within the right are turning yeah, yeah. on him. Yeah, yeah, I, th- that th- I think probably not enough though. More than ever before, this is the first time that his but, challenge but that doesn't mean is from the right. And we're in an election. I mean, it's great that more than ever before. But if the object is for him to lose sure. the election, listen, is, is the the thing is that what happened here with with the vaccines and the fact that Israel was just an example. I don't know what happened there. No one knows. Part of us give credit to the. Amazing system of of kupat cholim of of HMOs that we have here in Israel. It was established by the way by the Labour Party that built this country. I heard Mayor Michali say that on Bill. CNN. <laughs> I was like, "What are you doing? Come on!" Uh, um, but basically, we do have an amazing system. We do, but good well, for him for no, utilizing no, it. Exactly. I mean, we got to give him credit for what he did. Exactly here. what I want to say. Like there is no. He's done an amazing job of bringing here vaccine uh, vaccines more than any other country in the world. And the fact that that was the issue of the election, maybe it will give him, you know, will allow him to be reelected. And the other thing, which is, of course, the, the stupid way the left has, has kind of like split up its, its parties, that part of them can fall under the threshold. So, and the last thing is that the fact that Benny Gantz has, has joined the government of Netanyahu, which was the main reason of, of the existence of Blue and White and split, basically, yeah. Blue and White to do, kind of like broke completely the energy, the belief, the, the 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 motivation of so many people in the country. I know that it broke mine. Definitely. I, I, after that happened, and, and it was like that, and COVID, and I was unemployed at the time because I worked in tourism, and, and it was just the whole like, you know, you know it, it, it was like a... It's like a screw this moment. It was like, screw it. People believe... Like, people it, stop it's believing. all crap. 
people stop believing. It's all crap. I got to just take care of me and mine, and 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 so I don't even care. I want to use this as a segue. I want to use this as a segue to something that we teased in the in the promo. What the hell happened to the Israeli left? You know, this is so, the Israeli left. Again, for those who don't follow Israeli politics historically, founded the country and was in power until the seventies, and then was back and forth in power until until the nineties. And it's a shell of what it used to be. It went from being the dominant government to being a major player. And now we're talking about two parties that can barely pass the threshold. What yeah. happened? I wish I had all the answers, but I'll try to, <laughs> to touch what upon what I think. So first of all, we have to start by saying, as we spoke about, about populism, it's not an Israeli thing. The left in the world is kind of like, in a, in a very complicated uh, situation. And part of the reason that it's in such a complicated situation is that we did not know how to answer properly the, you know, the populist movement. We tried to answer it in, 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 in ways that were irrelevant. So that's one. You know, there was just election in, in the Netherlands and again, you know, they have a center-right government but the left is always, you know, is, is always gone. So that's the number one thing. The second thing I, I I have to say has to do with um, with the fact that also internationally and in Israel, and we talk about you know women's issues and LGBT issues and so on, the center center right was able to you know the, the the ideas of the left were kind of like taken by 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 under by the ad, you know the other side, and today to be <laughs> to be an extreme you know to be anti LGBT is to be an extremist, right? You know just. Yeah. Just a smootrich kind of a. Of right, if you're talking about the, like the cultural shit, the the cultural li- wars li- shifted. Yeah. It, it it wasn't it wasn't necessarily uh, in, uh, incompatible with right wing beliefs to take on progressive causes in so, this country and in this context. I, and not only in this country. Look at look at look at other countries as well. You know, at the end of the day, many of these liberal struggles have won and 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 gained traction not only in the left, including, in my opinion, the notion of of a welfare state. Also, it cannot. Here economically speaking. Yeah, that's not an issue here, right? Yeah, so so although now we see more and more kind of like Republican-led institutions like, like Forum Coelet. Forum Coelet and Tikva are doing... Yeah, yeah. Uh, to try, try to, to inject these ideas in the Israeli society, ideas that are completely foreign to the state. So that's the second thing. And the third thing I... So that's I, interesting, you're saying... You, to, those the, are the, your the, general success has led to the weakening of the left. So that's the two things. But uh, but now let's talk about the failures, right? It's not it's only, a good spin, by the way. It, it's not only. <laughs> it's not. No, those are two two facts, and they're not Israeli only. It's, it's it's international. But also there there are three things that I can think of that that the left has, hasn't been able to answer properly, and we need to to address them. Part of them are local, and part of them are again international. So the first thing, the tension between local culture and local identity and universalism who do you support who do you stand with yeah. are you part of the community or are you part of this non unclear universal movement and that's something that we've not been able to you know to answer who are we are we first israelis are we first americans are we first french or are we kind of like this mushy movement of nothing that supports all people as the, is equal yeah. and i think that needs to we need to create a balance and i think Zionist left was able to to do it in the past, but but that's something that we failed completely. The second thing I think is is also on the on, on on the economic level. You know, we do understand now significantly better that we need 
state involvement in in the economy like the, the market will not do it but how do you do it without interfering issues like uh, innovation and and creativity and and without like tones of red tape and so on so that's the second and the third thing I think is Israeli specifically but not only the issue of um, of security of security and and what does it mean um, for our relations with the Palestinians and what what the Palestinians really want and of course after the second Intifada here in which we all felt you know in our own bodies that you everything is falling apart the, the ability to go back and, and believe that that there is a win-win situation in this area that everyone can live better life um, has failed and also you know that's again a, kind of like a, a result of our success the fact that we do not feel the Palestinians at all right there is no we don't know what's going on and like we can do whatever we want the settlers can do whatever they want on the other side of the green lines barely any Israelis go and visit there. Kind of like make it an irrelevant point and us as, as leftists who kind of like keep on speaking about peace and about the occupation definitely the occupation are kind of like considered to be irrelevant to the reality so it's a mix it's a result of the fact that we ask people trust to trust people who they feel they cannot trust that we are not considered to be a patriotic we're considered to be kind of like universalist and the fact that we've succeeded so well in certain certain ways Certain parts of the narrative yeah of the narrative that that the right can we the right definitely center can still is it a is, do you think there's a personality issue involved I mean it's it, it's kind of interesting to me that nobody from anywhere on the political map has been able to challenge BB even remotely so first of all it's not true let's let's let, let's put it let's put the facts as they are okay he's lost he wasn't able to win on his own right. agenda three elections. Right? He kept it by, by being the most you know the most like BB that you can. He lied, he, he tried to you know look at Benny Gantz. I don't know what what was his incentive, but he was kind of like tricked into into going to BB's government because he was he was not you know he could not think of he thought it's the right thing for for, sure. for, for the country, right? So that's one thing. So we give him a lot of credit but we give him a lot of credit because he's kind of like this kind of like leader that that lies to everyone and and can tricks everyone and and is the people support him part of them at least support him because he's such a yeah he'll do anything to for, to, to, for the country to, yeah to keep power yeah to keep power case of Kavod yeah money power and and and, and Kavod oh, respect honor honor yeah so that's that so he's lost three election rounds that's For, for incon incumbent it's not it's not and Benny Gantz a completely inexperienced politician that we know that now is actually better that and with with probably many things in the closet that he didn't want to be exposed was the one that was able to to do it so that's I don't think that 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 this magician BB kind of concept is is still true although he He might win these elections that were <laughs> he might win these elections um that's one the second thing is I think that the left was shocked speaking about the populist campaign we did not know how to answer it instead of instead of like fighting so like no way we're gonna keep saying what we have to say we kind of like started to convince people that we're actually right that maybe you are wrong like all this kind of like this open discussion and 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 looking for our own faults and 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 scenes and mistakes 
have made us very, very weak. And again, it's not only in Israel, it's, it's an international yeah. phenomenon. I think that's something that's so discouraging to me when I look at the, the reality that we all live in, whether it's society or the, the political landscape, is that it seems without any you know, support towards uh, you know, one side or, or the other at anything, it seems that the vast majority of people that, that surround you or any one of us at any given time really has no idea what's going on and that politics in the age of social media and in the age of, of this, uh, you know, this era is much more about voting for a person or personality and what that might mean or, or, or feelings uh, for it, against it, and tribal, you know, all of this, it, that rather than some sort of an ethos or, or, or a value system or a ideology. I, I there is no more ideology. I think that we give too much credit to the past, right? I've just watched this series about, about the Reagans. Uh, you, saw, you, you read and learn about how Reagan ran his campaign about, and about how he uh, kind of like led people to think the way he thought and made like these enemies and we definitely know periods of time that things like that happen in Israel as well. So I think that people tend to to be attracted to leaders who give them kind of like this feeling that they can trust them and they're for them and there is this zero-sum game. If they're for you, so they have to be against the other. It doesn't really matter what they do. Look at it. BB in the last few election cycles made annexation his big ticket. Big ticket. That's the thing that he should have brought to his voters. Yeah. In one day, he kind of like dropped annexation and brought the peace with, with the Emirates. And that's it for his voters. Annexation is not important anymore. But, and that's exactly the point, though. It's if you were living in the past when ideology was, was more important and mattered to people, that would have been a thing that would have you know why? turned his voters off. They would have said, wait a second, you sold us out. We didn't need peace with the UAE. Who's the UAE? Where so, were they? Where were they yesterday uh, uh, against BDS or whatever it might be, or or against uh, what was going on in in so with the Hezbollah the or with? The, but no, it's like, oh, okay, that makes sense. BB says we're not going to do that anymore. We're going to do this. Yalla, that's no, that's the, the most important. No, thing. because they believe there is the, the the actual BB is for the Jews. For them, the notion of who stands with the Jews, whatever he says and does, is for us, for our own sake, for our own identity. Who is the protector of the Jewish people in the very? You're, you're describing people that don't think for themselves. No, they think for themselves. No, don't, don't assume. No, 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 no. Don't they very. They ve- they are very smart people, and they really live. People like my parents, right? Under the the concept that the Jewish people is all, always under threat, always under threat. You know. We talked about that. Yeah. It's baked in the DNA. Yeah, you know, we are all, and he's here to do one thing only: it's protect us, to protect the Jewish people forever. So I, I need, so I need I'm, both I'm, of you to help so me I'm, with something. So I'm willing to give up everything, including you know, concepts like truth and loyalty and dignity, for the very, very basic notion of it's a, it's the Maslow pyramid, right? Security. Is, is the number one. And not security in the matter of the army, because if you looked at every military general who left the army in the last years, not all, but most of them, right? They tried to go to politics. <laughs> it either went to politics against him or spoke against his policies directly, both, yeah. both on the Iranian issue or the Palestinian issue. So it's not security in the matter of like what the military says. 
It's like, what's the purpose of his political existence? And he is the protector of the Jewish people, and the other side doesn't have it. Okay, Who so, is the so, other so, side? Uh, hold on. Try, both of you, I'm going to ask to try to try to help me understand something. We sit here and we talk about nuanced understandings of reality. The name of our show is Juanced. I'll say a, co- a comment like I just did where I'll say, look, there are millions of people who are literally zoning out and giving their brain in many capacities to somebody and saying, you choose what's important for the Jewish people. I don't want to have to be a part of that conversation. Wherever you take the ship, we believe that that's what you're doing. You're, you're taking us to this place to support the continued security yeah. of the Jewish people. Yet when I say that, and I say it seems like he's talking to people who have zoned out or who aren't no, having no, an intellectual understanding. Your, 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 and I believe that what you're doing, you believe that what you're saying is correct. You're saying, no, 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 no. It's not, and you said this too. No, 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 it's not that. You know, don't, what, what did you say to me just now? Don't said, discount them. Don't discount them. But I think that that is what he's doing. And I think that when people do check out and dis disregard facts and stop thinking for themselves and stop wondering what has this person actually brought me, my family, and my community, no matter who that person is. If, if you're not engaged and you're saying, you know what, fuck, I, 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 let somebody else decide for me and they're always right. Where's, where, where's the accountability factor? And how are you checked in at that stage? And how are you not checked out? Well, like, that, that seems to be not mutually exclusive. Like how can you be an intellectual or at least engaged with the reality of your life and completely and totally check out on the leadership of your society. It's, <laughs> and then have people who are intellectuals say, no, no, no it's not that. No, no. Because like, isn't it at its, at its core? Isn't that so, what it is? So you, you're analyzing not BB. You're analyzing the, the psychology voters. of the no, society. He's analyzing no, BB voters. No, populism. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yes. That's yes. how populism works. The popul- populism works against the elites who try to take over what the real people or, you know, who run this business instead of the real people. And listen, real people have problems here. And instead of, you know, going against the protector of the Jewish people, they are fighting the elites who represent everything that they hate. Rightly so in so many ways. And and we know, you know, let's let's move from Israel to the US. You see the same thing. The elites who control the deep state and the legal system and so on, those, they are those who really run the show, while us, the real people, who are the real people, the only ones that support the leader, are being, you know, fooled by, by, by the system. So we need the leader to be actually stronger, to have no constraints. To fight for us. To fight for us, yeah. to, to smash the elites. That's the, that's the narrative. And then what happens? They're they, smashed. What happens? They smashed them. Three, like there's, but that's they my smashed point. Them like two decades. There doesn't ago. seem to be. There doesn't seem to be a place like where it's like. And now, and now what? And, then, and now and, what? And then, and then what happens? And then, like, because you have you a, don't have you, to think because you have far. a straw man. You have and, an Iran. You have a BDS. And, and then it's, you it's have a, you have a NIF. A, NIF that you need to fight because these are the enemies that you need to fight. And so you'll you, always have enemies. And when the elites, the deep state is over. Then real democracy comes that represent the real people and then everything will be good. But it's always a... Con- it, it, it's, you're constantly finding new enemies to rally around. But at least flag. Trump would talk about that. He would say, it's going to be so good here. 
You're going to get sick of winning. We're going to be winning so much. I don't hear BB doing that. No, BB is in kind of like... He's in Gavalt mode all the time. Yeah. And, and it, uh, now he's changing a bit, which is interesting. But, uh, just wait, just wait. Yeah. He always goes into full Gavalt mode before a campaign. And and then, the, like... And now they have, by, by the way, the, you know, this, the ICC, the International Court. There you uh, go. And that's a new enemy. And, and now, actually, I got the text, like, about how... The, the headline in, in, in Channel 12 in Israel is like, the challenge of the next right-wing government. So they've made a decision already. The next government is the right-wing. Like, we don't need... Because on their poll, they won already. Yeah, although it's 60-60, right? Yeah. So that's 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 the title. And, and what, you know, Israel will need to give an answer in April to the ICC. So you have a new enemy. Do you think Israel's going to give them an answer? Or do you think they're going to give them the finger? Finger. Finger? What do you say? Finger's an answer. Yeah. Finger's an answer. Do you, wait, do you think they're going to give them the finger, or do you think that they're not, or, they're, or do you think they're going to give them the no answer answer? I don't know. I haven't given any thought, to be honest with you. I'm going with finger. I, I, uh, By the way, huge mistake. Huge mistake. But let's... Why, why is it a huge mistake? Because you can, there is that much you can, you know, th- this crying wolf all the time and saying that everyone is anti-Semitic and when things will, you know, will hit reality you'll need to give answers or your people are going to be arrested or or, or Th- that that's why it's they're going to give a finger rhetorically and behind the scenes they work with these organizations we we always talk about the UN but at the end of the day we have a lot of people in the UN no but but here it's, it's also illegal like listen i think that if if they cooperated definitely on gaza and other things they'll be Israel could be okay, although it's not investigated itself as it needed, but it will be okay. It's better than many other systems. There is one issue that has no answer, and that's the settlement enterprise, which is by international law clearly a war crime, and according to the Israeli law, it's not. It's a legitimate en- enterprise. And here you're really going to see... Um, well, the, U- the U.S. under Trump also recognized it as not illegal. Yeah, but what does it mean? I don't know. Did they overturn it now? No, they don't need to because the, the, because there is you know according to international law, which is not obeying Trump, there is the international law that says you cannot transfer uh, c- civilians into uh, right. Um, so the question lies in that, is the state they, behind it or is it just people moving? No. So here here it's clear, and and I'm not saying that there is no answer, but that's the real problem. It will end up at the end of the day be. A, not on Gaza, not on other things. Will be on, Hamas will get in trouble for sure because they don't have any investigation system, and I think Israel will be in trouble on the on on the settlement project. What does that trouble look for look like for people like you and me who just live here? Nothing. Nothing. nothing right. Because 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 it means nothing for the state of Israel. It's it's about individual of of. of it's people who get arrested when they yeah. go abroad. Is Bibi gonna have a hard time going to London? Yeah, I don't think so. No, but you, you could see senior military people, people who were ministers way, of defense. Yeah. But that, you know, again... Afraid to land their planes in certain countries. I, again, Israel could look at that as, as a warning kind of a thing and say, okay, what do we do with it and how we work smartly with that? Or they can say everyone is anti-Semitic. Everyone's anti-Semitic. And, and, and everyone is against us and, and, and so on. And that will be the strategy that will work for them until a certain point, until it doesn't work anymore. Yeah. And I think that... that Complexity is not a part of any of our policies. It's all, it's either or kind of a thing, which will not serve us in that matter. Are you optimistic about Israel's future in the next ten years? 
Are you optimistic about Israel for your daughter when she grows up? I hope you say yes or Benny's going to have an anxiety attack. No, I don't know. No, because I'm not. I don't know. The, the, the answer is I don't know. The answer is I think that we are, we are actually living through a very, very, very important period that will determine the future of this country. I think that we, people say it all the time about every, yes. uh, every <laughs> period of time in history, and I'm aware of it, but I think that the Netanyahu era and where he's willing to take this country in order to free himself is something that we've never seen before. And I think that, um, for one hand, it's just a, you know, adm- admirable the the level of, of of fighting back that so many people have here and and struggle for Israel's democracy and character and nature. And on the other hand, there is a big big group of people who think the opposite. And and I, and I agree with that. And I think that uh, when you look at like take the scale of time out to a macro and say, okay, now we're two hundred years. In the, in the future. Well, according to Yuval Noah Harari, hum, Homo sapien won't exist then. So I know. He won't exist then. We won't exist then. I know. Maybe. Who cares? Okay, let's say <laughs> we exist. We somehow survive. There's a big, great filter. Maybe it's now. Who knows? We get through that. Israel's still here. I think that I think that Israel will exist. I think that we definitely will look at this period of time like you just looked at this period of time, but I think that it will be a, a time that's remembered as a realignment of political... Uh, how should I say this? Not a political interest, but a, but a realignment of what right means and what left means in many in many ways, and it will be recognized as a time where look, we don't know and talk about what the politics of the 1490s were in Holland. Nobody remembers. It's, I do. It's a very Maurice, you do. Maurice you, of you do. Orange. Uh, no, yeah. yeah, you you do. But it's it's one of those things where it's, it's this will be remembered as a time where I think that it, in 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 some sort of a, a strange way we're all reacting to the way that we process information in different ways now we're reacting to how how our politics reflects people that live in an instant in an instant information world that are trying to somehow juxtapose old world in this country specifically uh more more traditional religious or or cultural mores and norms with a very which come into conflict with a very new found world where they're you know it's almost Beyond the delegitimization of religion, there just isn't a religion in many in many ways in many in many uh, contexts, um, and and you have a government, and and this is maybe where democracies are in a weakness, where you really can't bridge those gaps because you have to p- choose who your base is, or your base chooses you, and and you can, you have a hard time kind of dealing with all the challenges if you don't uh, if you don't in some way react in in a way that's not maybe populist. I don't. With maybe the notable exception of Canada, I don't see any Western democracy right now that's not going through some sort of a populist. Australia, also Australia, and, and even even take the Netherlands as as an example. You know, there is a center right government there, but it's it's a it's a it's a balanced democracy, and and there are others like that. I think that um, you know, for me being an Israeli, I think it's a very very strong part of my identity. I can't think of myself work think invest in any other part of the world. But on the other hand, you know, we have to win this struggle for democracy in Israel. If we don't win the struggle for democracy in Israel in, in, in the you know in the liberal way of democracy, not 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 only the tactical way of right. democracy, there is no way that people who feel and think and live the way I live could live the here. Like it's 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 a real fight over, over Do you think the, it's gonna become untenable? It's it, we're fighting for the nature, for for the character and the nature of the society. So why aren't people voting for those parties? 
because part of them are very much insecure in the place where they are. Second part of them are very conservative themselves. Like it's, it's, it's a very split society for real. I'm not, I'm not saying, and I'm not judging them from, from that, but the question is, are we conservative and liberals will, are able and capable of living in the same society? One of us really need to win to the level that the other one could not live, you know, could, could not live here. And I think that Netanyahu, not because he's a conservative, but because of his situation, has, you know, is in a situation that he will be w- willing to give as much as it takes um, to undermine the systems who are not under his control. When are you running for prime minister? Never. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't need that. No way. No way. <laughs> You have, no one will, have, uh, you have to have such a big ego to want to be the prime minister or president of anywhere. A lot of willpower. Oh, no, I'll no, say no. it generously. You need a lot of willpower. And, no, and and the re- you know I have a lot of friends who are politicians. They really think that they are they are unreplaceable. You really need to have the kind of like emotional. It's quite crazy. Yeah, like that you are the person it's needs me. to be there. If it's not you. I, yeah, like I, history has brought you to this place and time, and I'm the right person. Yeah, for other, otherwise, why would you go through all yeah, this? Yeah, I don't. Ego. That's such an amazing time. And look, and the only one who I think can really say that about himself is Bibi. Right. And I'm not saying it's in a good or a bad way. By the way, Yair Lapid, I think that deep inside thinks of himself that oh, way. Oh, I think he'd love to. Yeah, no, and he really thinks that he's the person for the moment, but I don't know what's the deal there. Are we going to see Bennett as prime minister? Possible. I, I really, I, I'm not, you know. You need to be there. Um, Can we see a merits a merits Yamina coalition? Here's an interesting question. <laughs> yeah, do, I don't know. Do you feel and, and and put your you know your Mickey hat and your NIF hat? Would you feel more comfortable with a Bennett prime uh, prime prime minister than with Bibi? Now, I, I'll, Bennett I'll, with Avodah and Merits in the no, coalition. No, exactly. I'll, I'll, Bennett without without the 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 without the Charedim. I think without, I think we, I think I think that we will need. Uh, to create here, you know, we will not be able to win this reality in one go. It will have to be, it will have to be in stages, like we'll have to have stages in that. So I think that now the concept of populist leader in a position that he's been to for so many years is extremely dangerous beyond his ideological and political ideal, you know, thoughts. So I think that I would not want to see Bennett as a prime minister, but I think that none of them will be as strong as and as dangerous as Netanyahu. And I think that the second goal or the next one will be really to show, you know, to to offer an alternative, because the current situation we cannot win these elections only based on the center center left, mainly because the center left leader has has failed us. But. If I have to guess at this moment, I would say it's either a Netanyahu government or a fifth election. Yeah, so depressing. Yeah, <sighs> unbelievable. The fifth election thing, especially, it's, it's it's. No, I'm 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 I'm. Because it's ridiculous. I know. It's absolutely ridiculous. Like but you the, live in a country. I I don't know. Like has this ever happened in any other country in yeah, modern Italy. times? Italy. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. that's that's a great. It's I mean, awesome culture, but not great political company. No, you can yeah. say that about us too. And it's the, like. Yeah. Inst- Instability, in poli- you know, it says that our democracy is weak. Like, instability, I've spoke to a friend who said, oh, told the, the most, fu- like, the funniest thing is, is, like, you know, we have so many elections, you know, the people vote. I was like, no, instability in political 
you know, in, in politics actually shows a very weak democracy. And, and we are in a situation that one person took this country hostage. It's a really, really uh, depressing situation. And I think it's, it's like if, if Israel gets to fifth election, sixth election, seventh elections, it's, it's stop, not. Stop. <laughs> stop. But, it, but, but you're right. Weak democracy is the way that I see that coming, you know, uh, uh, coming, coming to be. Or an example of that is like it's not so far from reality to think that after election number seven, you got a guy who comes up in like a strong man figure like a Bibi and says, you know, democracy doesn't seem to be working for Israel. Um, yeah, it's called yeah. Trump. That's exactly, you know. And I think that uh, I'm just going to be the president for life. And, uh, oh, by the way, the military is loyal to me. And uh, I think that Israel's, is, Israeli society... What are you do about I it? I don't think we'd stand I, for I, that. I think that Israeli I don't think the military would stand for that. I don't think anybody all. would stand for that. No, no. And I also see, you know, we have to give our audience reality here. We have 50% of this population that fights back as crazy, you know, and, and believe in this place and, and, and demonstrates and, and feel, ob, you know, obliged to the, to the spirit of, of this place, Jews and Arabs. Like, we are not in a situation that we kind of, like, gave up completely on, on the future of this country. Otherwise, we would not be here speaking about what we speak. And, and I think that it's, it's a very, very hard struggle. We are here, you know, fighting against a person who's... Very strong, very smart, very talented, knows the system very well, and has lo- no limits. It's going to be a long fight. Wow. He's also old. Ish. 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 All right. He's got a great comb over. On a, on a happy note. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, do you do, what are you doing in your spare time these days? <laughs> Let's end on a fun note. What, what kind of books are you reading? What kind of uh, series are you watching? No, actually, it's, it's, a, it's a very interesting time because I've changed, comp- you know, I have... Uh, I have a 10 month old baby and, and she's taking most of my time at this moment and and the rest is kind of like getting back to the you know to a different space so I don't do anything other than working and and being with my child because that's what the covid reality is as you know I've I read through covid I watched so much through covid and then it's like going back to to yeah real life I don't know what I'm going to do in the Pesach uh, vacation now. Be honest, that's why you're in Rehovot right now. You're like, I got this really important uh, work thing I got to go deal with. It's uh, it's, 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 it's in Rehovot. I got to go. No one else can go. No one else can go. Civil it's just society me. initiative. Yeah. <laughs> I got to be the guy that comes. What are you looking forward to to doing once, uh, uh, once things get back to uh, AKA normal? And um, do you like travel? Are you are you gonna go somewhere? Do you have a, a trip planned? So we're gonna go. So my partner's parents haven't seen our daughter because she was born, wow. in, you know, in, in, in wow. a surrogacy uh, process in in the U.S. And they are the most, you know, uh, they've been involved in this process so much and so on. And because she was born in the U.S. and we came to Israel, and and they were not be a, they were not able to travel. They live in the Netherlands. So the first thing that I want to do, we want to do is to go visit them because it's going to be just That's amazing, crazy. Amazing. Can, can we, I know we've been going for a while here and we should probably end with this. Let, let's end, can we end with like two minutes on just, what is the surrogacy process like? Can you? Oh my God, it's like, um, it's a, it's ro- fascinating. It's a, it's a roller coaster, uh, emotional, ro- it's emotional roller coaster. So basically, we are um, very, very uh, privileged uh, to be able to, you know, to get help and, and from from two women in this process. One is the egg donor. And the other one is, is the surrogate, the person who carries the baby. And 
and basically it's a baby that is 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 conceived in a completely artificial way yeah. um and and then the the surrogate who's part of our family now has carried it for nine months and and of course there were failures in the in the way and so on and and that's how how the baby was born wow so she was born in america yeah because you can't do a surrogacy process can't do that people. right can't do it is she in america this is weird actually is she's she an american, american citizen. citizen yeah it's crazy this 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 baby will be an israeli dutch american so the baby is an american <laughs> citizen the baby is born and then you go to america but you can't because it was covid so. no so we can't we left israel march 12th so we kind of like we had to flee from right israel. away yeah uh, about two months before she was born she was born may 1st May day girl. Were you with the mom? The, the, the surrogate? The mom? Yeah, yeah. The, the, surrogate? Entire, the, the entire thing. We where, were where in America was she born? In California. So we were, there, we were there for the entire birth. Of course, we were very, very much there. Wow. And it's interesting, you know, she, she gave birth to it, but she has no... Legal rights. She, no, and she has no... Oh, she uh, has no biological connection either. Nothing. Right, right. Because she's she's uh she's not the uh, egg uh, egg donor. Uh, no, that's exactly why they do it. They separate. They so so she doesn't have any attachment yeah, to it. Yeah. Interesting. That's crazy. Yeah. So it's not legal here for gay couples to. For, no, it's it's legal for straight people and not for gay couples. And by the way, we have to say. It could be if you don't pay a lot of attention for for the legal rights and and for the rights of of, of the surrogate, it could be a very troubling process for for women. So, you know, one of the things that I'm very happy with is doing it in the U.S. and, and you know, to make sure that the, the coverage is the cover, you know, the, the it, health. It costs a lot more, right? But it's, it, it they're taking care yeah, of the, yeah. the woman's oh, rights there. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's been an amazing process. You know, not without um, questions about, about our, you know, are we using our money? You know, it it, it, it does bring a lot of, of uh, questions, uh, ethical questions, but after knowing you know the surrogate and her family and i know who she is and i know what kind of a relationship was created there so i i feel very very blessed could you have adopted no it's not in israel so gay gay i'm assuming men because women could just have yeah. a kid on their own right yeah can't adopt and can't no, it, have it, they're, a surrogacy they're, process could you as a private person adopt no because you're last in the in, in the in the line for for adoption so it's basically impossible. are there that many people lining up to adopt people here there are very few uh options for adoption really yeah there are very few people for uh, that uh, options for adoption and of course there we be i have to be honest there is also the old like all of us we know we want to have the the genetic sure sure connection but but that's not the case you're you're you can't adopt do you, do you want to have another kid in this manner? We probably will. We'll yeah. wait. Yeah. Wow. Wait. So could could a I'm just trying to like figure could a single man, not married man, have a surrogate yeah. baby in another country in Israel? No. No. You have to have a, a, a ma- you have to be in partnership a man and a woman. So a single guy who's like I just don't want to get married, it's just me. I, I want to have a baby. No, no, you no, can't. No, you can't do that. No. Interesting. It was just it's a, very strange. Yeah, very fascinating um, process. And then, she, was, did she have to be in quarantine? And you brought her back to Israel because she was. We were we were all because that was before the vaccinations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we were all in, in in quarantine. But at home, not yeah. in a strange hotel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, 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 no. We were at home. It was it was quite beautiful. 
you know. Is this is this part of me for the question? Is this how all gay couples in Israel who have kids have kids? Most of them, yeah. They have yeah. to go to the states or uh, yeah, or either India dead or, or there is a, what's what called like you know there is also an option, you know, to to have a baby with a with a woman that right. either a single or or a lesbian woman. What's uh, how common is that? I think I don't know the percentages, but it's quite common. That's the you know the the thing is that you kind of like. Bringing someone else into your relationship, sure. which is all, yeah, you yeah, know, keeping a relationship is exactly. tough enough. You baby, it's all thing. Too many people. You thought straight couples had it uh, complicated, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a whole thing. Uh, listen, man, I, I was a pleasure having you here. It was a pleasure. It's been talking great. To you. It's been Thank great you. catching up. It's been too long. Yeah, and and you know, look at us doing it. That's right. With live man. <laughs> Have a good time in the Netherlands. Thank you. I really hope we can go. I hope you go too. Yeah. Quickly. Uh, as soon as not quickly. I hope you're I hope you're there for as long as you want to be there, but I hope you get to go soon. Yeah. Uh and and yeah, man. So this is probably be uh yeah, this is our last episode before the elections. When this is live, we will be after the elections. When this is live, we'll be after the elections and we'll be going into Pesach. And by Passover. the way, it's doesn't we are not sure we're gonna know the results because maybe we're gonna right. know you know the number of seats that every party got, but we, we are not necessarily know what kind of a coalition we're going to get. Right. That's true. That's true. It could take a couple of weeks. Your times. So we, uh, for all those in Israel, uh, vote well. We hope you voted. For those listening to us live or who will be listening to the Facebook live uh, episode before the elections, go out and vote. Do your job. Um, for those who will celebrate Pesach, Passover around the world, and if you're listening to this before Pesach, obviously have a wonderful holiday. For those who observe the kosherness of it, have a kosher and a wonderful holiday. And uh, we'll catch you next week on Juanced. Yalla. Juanced is a joint creation of Benny Shoulder and Dan Pfefferman. Make sure to subscribe on whatever platform you get your podcasts. For more information and show notes about this and previous episodes, visit us at juanced.com. And feel free to hit us with your comments and suggestions. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you back for the next episode of Juanced.